It's the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood, the only Baltimore podcast that had a host playing in the Barstool Classic on Friday. We will get to that later in the show, Banks. We're back for another week. It's myself, Taylor Smythe, RDT, and the aforementioned Banks. Guys, great to be back. Let's jump right into it. We have Jeremy Kahn coming on the show later. We talked about a variety of things, Orioles, Mogaba, Ravens, a little gambling talk at the end. So a lot of our Ravens and Orioles talk is the interview with Jeremy. So if you want to hear about the hot topics, a lot of it's there. The one thing we didn't get to, which is the biggest story of today as we record on a Tuesday, is the Rashad Bateman apparent injury. And Banks, I'm going to give you the floor here. You said you had a couple things to say about it. You were on Twitter a bit about it. Rashad Bateman. Right. I was on Twitter a bit. I was not on Twitter a lot about this. A bit. Keywords a bit. A bit. Very key. It is August 10th. Opening night is September 13th. Now, when I said this, at least, there were still a lot of unknowns about what was up with uh, with Bateman and what his injury even was, whatever, soft tissue, not ligament, whatever. He's week to week with a groin injury, apparently. It's not the end of the world. It's not good news, obviously. We want him out there. We want him getting reps with Lamar. We want him getting, you know – game reps on Saturday night against the Saints and then the other two preseason games. We want him getting his feet wet, all those things. That would be optimal, but it's not the end of the world. We're starting to do this whole thing where every time somebody gets banged up, nicked up, whatever, misses time, everybody freaks out. I heard the name Brashad Perriman read it way too many times on the internet today. That is disavowed. I'm not saying that word ever again. The BP, the P word is out. We're not saying it. Anyone who says it to me, is getting the block. I already blocked two people today. I don't want to block anybody else. I, I'm that's not who I am. It's not what I'm about. But you start throwing that word around, and I have to do it. Mm. I'm a man of my word. Wow. I'd block people who say the word paramen. I just said it. God damn it. Um, you blocked yourself. Hashtag <laughs> block out the p word in 2021. Yeah, correct. Block out the p word. We're not doing it. We're not gonna freak out on August 10th. This is the Will Ferrell gift. Stay calm. Nobody We're not freaking out out here. <laughs> Keep our composure. It's August 10th. It's August 10th. And it's not a season-ending injury. It's not even an injury that we know will cause him to miss any real regular season games. So let's all relax. I feel like I got to do this every training camp with something. We just got to stand back and just take a deep breath and chill out. As you said, week to week with a groin injury. I love week to week. We don't get enough week to weeks. It's always, you know, day to day, established timeline. I love a good week to week. I live um, my life week to week. Yeah, went down. There was a brief moment there, you know, and this always happens in training camp. This will have, this happens to every fan base where, you know, the guy goes down at practice and has like a hard limp going off or gets carried off. And, and as they should do, the reporters that are in there watching tweet about it and are like, doesn't look good or – don't want to speculate on this one, but it was, you know, Marcus Peters had to carry him to the sideline. And when that stuff happens on Twitter in real time, this is why Twitter <laughs> for a variety of reasons stinks. As you're watching, they're like, oh God, it's ACL. It's ACL. <laughs> it has to be ACL. <laughs> There's nothing else it could possibly be. His knee's blown. He's out for the year. It's Achilles. It's got to be Achilles. I mean, how could it not be Achilles? And then it comes out, groin injury, week to week. Um, but for those, you know, few hours where you're waiting for the report, that is – especially for the hardcore Ravens fans, one where you were holding your collective breaths right there. But I guess the one thing to take away is it's not if leading up to this point, it had been like, Ooh, Rashad Bateman really struggling to get up to speed. Rashad Bateman 
you know, not maybe looking like, like he was living up to the prior building of a complete guy, NFL ready. We, we talked about that part a little bit with Jeremy later in the show. Um, so at the very least there is, you know, he has performed well in his time at training camp. So now we're not going into an injury where it's like, Oh no, now this guy's hurt. This is just spiraling out of control. Um, and the rest of the Ravens cadre of receivers can get more work with Lamar now. So who's back, by the way, I don't know if people heard, but Lamar Jackson, yeah, Lamar Jackson's back. I don't know if he made any headlines. What, what happened before? I don't know. Well, do we need to go? We, you want to go through it? We, we'll do it. We can do it some of the time. We'll do this. I just wanted to see the steam come out of Banks's ears. He's back. We, 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 and if you want more Lamar COVID and vaccination talk, we got into all that with Jeremy. We don't need to, we don't need to cover that again <laughs> here. We, we, we had a full conversation about that in the interview, but yeah, the Bateman news was, uh, was a bit, was a bit dicey there for a second. It was harrowing. I'm not going to sit here and act like I wasn't holding my breath. I mean, of course the possibility that it was bad was out there. It just indications seemed that it wasn't the case and we didn't know anything. So it's like, let's just wait this thing out and just see what it is and see where we're at. And where we're at is week to week, which again, we love week to week, week, week to week's fun. It's brings a lot of mystery and uh, intrigue. So Bayman was dealing with coming into this, had been dealing with tightness. He'd missed some practices. So I guess there's some concern there. This felt like it was almost coming. Um, and obviously the Ravens are, are dealing with, you know, a variety of, of different things as they go through camp. But, um, you know, you hope that Bateman can come back. It would have been nice to see him in the preseason. I think that's really the biggest thing for me is, you know, you, none of this is career ending or career threatening at this point. It just would have been fun to watch him. In the, in the first few preseason games and mm-hmm. it, um, and, and that takes, so when you lose your first round pick, it takes away a lot of the intrigue from a preseason game. Cause that's what you want to see. I mean, that is the main guy you haven't seen before, unless you have a big, big free agency signing, but as a rookie, he's going to play a lot in those games. Cause they he wasn't him. even our first pick of the draft. Yeah. Yeah. So we still but, have you know, something skill, to watch. Skill, skill, skill team. Yeah. Yeah. Skill receiver. receiver. Yeah. Yeah. But, but he's had good reviews too. So I yeah. Mean, the Ravens feel good about that. Akhil Dorsey also went out with an injury um, in, a much, in a much less publicized. Uh, Jimmy Smith, too. He has a little ankle thing going on. But, yep. you know, yep. he's he's a veteran. He doesn't need a ton of reps. He just needs to get healthy, and he'll be out there. And it's not like he's playing 100% of the defensive snaps either. So, he'll be good. Yeah, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. But, uh, yeah, you don't want to see – got hurt the same day they agreed to the extension, the one-year extension with him. Yeah, uh, which was which was tough to see, but uh, you know he got his he got his money. It the one thing that I'm just sort of reading in various places. You're seeing coach quotes about it. You're seeing me this J.K. Dobbins just absolute gigantic year thing just feels to continue to build for me. Coach is saying he was born to catch passes, <laughs> I'm born born to do it. Hasn't missed one ball the entirety of camp. Give me, give me all of it. Give yeah, me. it's all great stuff. But he also, I mean, he he ran for six yards of carry last year. That's like pretty much unprecedented at the the amount of carries that he had last year. There was there was uh, I retweeted it last week and it got a ton of traction just because I think a lot of people agreed with the fact that like who's a star in the making, who's going to break out this year or whatever. And I said. The guy's already a star last year. It's just a matter of volume. Is he going to get enough carries? Because Gus Edwards deserves all the carries he gets too. Yes, he does. We did the same thing. We, we, we did this every single week last week uh, last year, where we just said, "There goes a Gus bus. Got to feed the bus." Beep beep. beep, beep and he beep, deserves beep. the carries. Like he's awesome too. So, um, 
you know, we phased Mark Ingram out in the back half of last season, and we've got these two workhorses. And um, I think people like uh, Justice Hill, like what 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 he does, and kind of the change of pace that he brings. Um, so I think we got three guys who are capable of being productive when you pop them in the game, and obviously the the Lamar and the line and all these things. Um, people are gonna run. And so. this is this is maybe an easy thing to say. I like I just like the three better than when it was the four guys. It just feels easier to move maneuver through three running backs and get them touches and try to figure out a marking girl in the back end of his career, try to exploit, you know, an exciting young player in Dobbins, try to figure out a way to get an underrated guy like Gus Edwards in. And then, you know, Justice Hill is just such a different type of player. Like, what are you using his talents for? Now you feel like these three guys are a little bit more complimentary. Uh, as I said, Craig. Versteeg, the Ravens running back coach, I'm sure everybody's familiar with. Uh, called him a natural pass catcher, has caught everything thrown his way, everything thrown his way. <laughs> so excited to continue to watch him. Um, and uh, we, we roll towards the first preseason game. Uh, the best preseason team of all time, the Baltimore Football Ravens in action. Correct. Action we, we touched on that a little bit in the interview too. They haven't lost – I, I got the date. They have not lost a preseason game since September 3rd, 2015. That's, I mean, that's disgusting. 2015. 2015. Yeah. 7 o'clock Saturday. WBAL. The bank. 98 Rock. WBAL on the radio. I'm sure our guy Bobby will be somewhat involved. So make sure to make sure to listen to him. But Ravens football is back on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody you really want to see? It would have been Bateman for me. It easily would have been Bateman. I think Bateman's answer for everybody. I mean, Lamar Jackson's still a football player. That's fun to go watch. I mean, that's a that's number one. I would say, um, probably probably Owe. I mean, he's he's the rookie defensive end. Um, seeing if if they get Justin Houston out there at all, that'd be you know a cool thing too. But I mean, we have a lot of the same characters here, and they're fun to watch. And um, God knows, we talk about it for for seven months you know this is still a great roster and just seeing the guys back out there together and for the most part healthy like that's an exciting thing yeah it's it's weird this preseason game is on saturday i hold on i I messed up the answer the answer was was you all you people at the bank the fans Uh, that's that's the correct answer i'm excited to see everybody back out there back out there in lot h you know whatever it might be the the interesting part of um of this preseason is I, we've been talking about the return of football, return of fans, the hall of fame game totally snuck up on me last week. Mm-hmm. And then we were talking, I think Friday after that, and I, it snuck up on me that the Ravens are playing game this weekend. I, I don't know. The, the preseason just always sneaks up on me. I think two years ago we had like the BTN bus tour at Maryland and I had to come back and the traffic was bad. I was like, what's happening? So the Ravens are playing a preseason game on a Thursday night. I just didn't even, Preseason just it, I, I don't plan for it. I, for some reason, I, I just and I'll be at Ocean City this weekend, so I won't be won't be watching this one uh, around the bank as well. But uh, I can't wait to watch it. It'll be exciting. I'm excited to have it back. Um, we touched on a ton of Orioles stuff uh, with Jeremy rebuild. You know, the, the Buster only Ken Rosenthal stuff was interesting. I, I think we mostly touched on in the interview. I think the one thing I would say because uh, Jeremy really gave his sort of full throated take. The timing of all that stuff was weird. If you didn't see, Buster Olney had a tweet sort of bringing the Orioles down for the tanking and, and losing 100 games in three straight seasons. 
Ken Rosenthal did a piece comparing the Orioles' status to where the Giants are right now in terms of their two rebuilds when their two GMs were hired in the same year. Obviously, Michael Elias for the Orioles. Um, I, I don't know if that's like for, – for Buster only, it was just bizarre. You would think there's a thousand other baseball stories to cover besides – you know, the fact that the Orioles are potentially bad for baseball. But, uh, you know, if the Orioles win in two years, Michael Ice is going to laugh into the bank. He doesn't care about it. I mean, they just guys don't care about these tweets. Like, what, what's Major League Baseball going to do? Tell them they can't exploit a system that, you know, they just don't have as much money, so they can't spend it on players? I, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah, again, it was just very strange all day. And, again, I – low-hanging fruit probably john Heyman's done it buster olney's done it ken rosenthal's done it who i get like i like olney too i like ken rosenthal it was just it was very strange and people people were floating it out like oh maybe that mlb's telling them to do this because the Masson deal i don't think that's any anywhere close to accurate that would be um, i appreciate the stretches but i don't think that's that's even close but um yeah like, like you said we talked to jeremy about it i thought he pretty much nailed it on the head um just very strange stuff, and I, I will say that Buster Olney is not invited to the parade. We'll just mm, say that. You've uninvited mm. him. You we'll have you have the parade uninvite list and invite list, and Banks has the Lamar Jackson list. I got to think of a list. I got to figure out a list I can come up with. It. Do you want to oversee, even though I've kind of started it, the uh, the band list on the podcast? Uh, is that more my bag? I don't think Taylor's a band guy. Yeah, I'm not really a band guy. I like bringing people on and just and just bringing them on anyway ah, i'll think of something. I'll, I'll I, mean, I, I mean i thought yes. we were going to get back to talking about mass and maybe i can i can talk more about mass and get myself you know and deeper into just criticizing mass <laughs> you no, frankly i don't watch that in mass right now because the orioles is not a fun baseball team to watch i follow the orioles following eric thank god for you thank god for you watching all those games <laughs> eventually i'll be eventually I'll. <laughs> like blushing i'm I'm just like, thinking of them. They were down six to one earlier, and I was like, "Why am I watching?" The this face game? he made was like the 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 little kid who looks like he's on the first day of school, and he's like giggles, and then he starts crying. Yeah, yeah, like uh, sick. It's just, awesome. not, it's just uh, I mean, I I, so I much fun watching. You haven't games. said it in four weeks. I mean, Cedric Mullins, twenty twenty, and this guy. We don't have to go over it, but it's just – I just want to shot him out of the league. What a freaking season. I want him to get 30-30 so bad. Like, that I think that awesome. would be awesome. That would be really cool. Um, I, I mean, you should watch the next two nights because we may see Miguel Cabrera hit 500. Ah, uh, yeah. Will- he's at 498. He may get that tonight. We're in the top of the eighth, but uh, he may get 500 tonight. But, yeah, that'll be uh, – I mean, yeah, it's, it's just – it's Cedric Mullins being awesome. That's – it's also the Orioles. Orioles being the worst team in, his, in what is slowly becoming a potentially historically good AL East. Every, every team except for the Orioles has 60-plus wins at this point. I mean, you know, even the NL West, which has the Giants and the Dodgers and the Padres, which is stacked top, doesn't have the same depth. The Orioles just sitting at the bottom. The Yankees are hot. The Yankees have the best record in baseball since the All-Star break. The Blue Jays are really hot. The Red Sox are falling apart. It's a hell of a division. I think the Blue Jays have, like, the second or third best run differential. Like, they would be in first place in a bunch of other divisions, and they're in fourth place in the AL East. They would lead the NL East by a game. They have a plus 120 run differential. It's very good. It's on par with, like, all the division leaders. Yeah, they're, they're very good. Yeah, they've got a lot of young Orioles. Talent. Not Orioles. Not so Orioles. Good. Not so good. Hey, Adley had his first uh, AAA hit in RBI tonight. 
Um, any chance? Can you? Any chance we see him in September? You mm, say no. No. There it is. I don't. I don't think there's any. Chance. I would agree with you, but you know, it's getting to that point where you know, Michael Elias doesn't have an itchy trigger figure though. He, he does not. No, have, no, he would have been up on it. Also, real quick, another Orioles thing. Shout out to Brooks Robinson. Mm. Tough fall this week. Broke his arm. Last Dude, week, I think they said. I Brooks feel like we're due. From, yeah, I feel like we're due from this from Brooks every four or five years, and he just keeps scrapping and fighting. It's just what Brooks does. Yeah, I mean, he's that's why he's one of the all-time best. 84 years old. Legend. Well, yeah, absolute, absolute legend. Absolute legend. Um, we talked Orioles, Ravens, gambling, everything in between with our guest, Jeremy Kahn, friend of the show. We, you know what? I'll keep the friend of the show list. I will keep the friend of the show list. Jeremy is certainly one. Um, host of the Big Bad Morning Show, 105.7 The Fan. I think everyone knows how to get to that if you're a Baltimore sports fan. Always great to have Jeremy on. The stuff he said at the top about Mo Gabba and, and Eric, you were, you were over there as well for all those Orioles Hall of Fame festivities was, was very, very touching. And, and, and every time he speaks about Mo, it's a, it's a, it's a awesome thing for us just to sit and listen to because of how much it means to him. Um, and for him to get that opportunity to induct him in the Orioles Hall of Fame was very, very cool. So let's get to our interview with Jeremy Kahn. Something magic happens. Back on the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood with friend of the show and host of the Big Bad Morning Show, Jeremy Kahn. Jeremy, uh, we have to start you off with the incredible honor you had of inducting Mo Gavin to the Orioles Hall of Fame this weekend. I know Eric was there. It was, a, it was an awesome event. Just want to get your thoughts and feelings. Now, we talked about that the last time you were on the show, but kind of coming full circle here with that uh, event this weekend. Yeah, man, it was cool. It was um, I, I was humbled by the, the offer to, to do it. And, um, you know, they called me. I was on vacation. I'm like, are you kidding me? Of course I'll do it. Like, to, to get to go down on you know, the field that as a Oriole fan for most of my life, now look, I, I did get to go to Memorial stadium plenty of times as a kid, but my adulthood is you know, it's Camden yards. I've been on the field a couple of times, but to be out there with a bunch of hall of famers that are going in and, you know, our buddy Mo's going in as well and to have the chance to talk about him. It was funny because they told me like, you got to keep it to two or three minutes. I really felt like I did. And then I watched it and saw it was uh, almost five minutes long. Um, but, you know, it was just, look, it was, it's hard to sum up everything Mo means in two to three minutes. So I tried to get to some of the bullet points that I thought were funny, uh, that kind of encompassed who, who he is. And, um, yeah, I was, I mean, I was really happy. I don't I butchered one thing. So I don't know that anybody could tell at the very end. It, like I was so mad at myself because I was trying not, they gave me an out, um, to read. And I said, I, I forget how I worded it, but I, I played it off and said, Mo Gabba, he's a hall of famer. I totally screwed it up though. Uh, but the cool stuff that I saw up there was just all the other Hall of Famers embracing Sanzi when they came up on stage. It's the first thing they literally did and then would say something to her, um, which was incredible. And the other thing that a lot of people didn't get to see, and I don't know how much they showed of it on TV, uh, Nelson Cruz sat in the dugout and watched the entire thing. Mm. Um, he was the one Ray that wow. came out early to make sure he saw it all. And it was just really cool. And then a couple other guys, Brett Phillips and uh, I think Manuel Margot and there were a couple other, maybe Yandy Diaz. There was another guy that was there for a good portion of it, but I thought it was really cool. It, I did. I think they did show part of that because I did see, I, you know, obviously being there, I, I couldn't see much from center field where we were, but when I got home, I watched it and, and, you know, was, was watching a bunch of clips and they did show Nelson. And I think Kevin Cash came out at some yeah. point and was watching. So th that was pretty awesome to see. Um, I thought it was really cool seeing Trey and how invested he was in it too. Obviously you talked about that um, and you touched on it a little bit, but again, I mean, years and years of stories 
that you have with Mo, stories and memories and experiences, how hard was it for you to keep it into that that three to five minute window? I guess they gave you the two minute buffer, but how hard was it to keep it down and, and to cut down some of those stories? Yeah, I mean, so truth be told, um, we had that event on the Eastern Shore, Red Acre Hydroponics, that dinner that we did with all the money going to Johns Hopkins Children's Center in Moe's honor. And they asked me to be the guest speaker. And I said to him, I said, look, I can talk as long or as short as you guys want. You just let me know. And then I'll try to keep it at that time. And then they said to me, oh, no, go ahead. It's, it's fine. Go as long as you want. And comparatively speaking, now, I was probably about six Jameson shots deep, too. I wasn't slurring my words, which was, which was a good sign. Um, but I was having a good time. And, and I started talking. And I was telling stories. And I basically started from my introduction to him when we found out, uh, you know, some of the some of the problems that he had dealt with in his life, because we didn't know for the first couple of months, some of the funny stories, how our relationship grew, going to meet him at school. And, um, you know, just there were all these great moments and just talking about the person that was Mo. And that's one of the things I would have liked to have gotten into a little bit more just so people really understood some of the things he did. But I was so concerned with the time because I they're like, oh, the game starts at 705. And then by the time I sat down, I'm like, damn, man, it's it's 650 now. <laughs> they're not getting in three more Hall of Famers here. But um, I ended up talking for an hour at that dinner and they started playing music. I said, man, is this the Oscars? Are you guys playing me off? And I turned around and like, no, we just wanted to let you know five more minutes because they wanted to get to some other stuff. And truth be told, I could have gone for another half an hour, 45 minutes talking about him. Um, I've said it numerous times and I think people know how I feel about him. Like, uh, I'm so happy the kid came into my life. Um, you know, like I, I've got all these great memories, these songs, like I randomly start crying and you know, Eric, I, I talked about it to some of the guys because I left the Orioles game in the fourth inning and I did have to get home and let my dog out. You and I were talking pre-show before, you know, the guys were talking pre-show about, you know, some of the issues my dog has. She had been in the crate for a good portion of the day. So I wanted to make sure she got out. But right around the fourth inning, you know, I had a bunch of people saying, man, I'm surprised you didn't get emotional. For some reason, it really started to hit me then. And I just, all I wanted to do was go home and just lie in bed and finish watching the game. Um but I, like I got emotional before, like when they played the, the video clip that hit me different. I heard his laugh and you know, some of those sayings and like there's so much that can be said and people can watch what they want and take away from it what they want. But like meeting him, holding his hand, um, you know, just watching him interact with other people. Like one of the stories that I tell all the time and I told it on the morning show this week was when he found out he was dying. Like this kid literally asked three questions. He's who's going to take care of my mom was the first thing he wanted to know. Uh, his mom's the most important person in his life. Ultimately, that's what he cared about, what he, what he needed to know. Um, the second thing he said was, what about all my fans? And he didn't mean it like, oh, my God, people are going to miss me so much. And, you know, like big headed fandom. He was genuinely worried about people that use him for inspiration because he knows what we all do. We all look at his life and it puts our life into perspective. And we're like, man, how can we sit here and bitch about what we're dealing with day to day when this kid's so positive and he's been going through hell his entire life? And then the last thing he said was the, the, the gut punch, the heartbreaker. He's like, why won't my medicine work for me? And, you know, every time I say that, it, it kind of catches me, you know, like I, I get a little choked up thinking about it. Um, I mean, he was just so special. And, you know, we, we did the, the big Mo show and he asked me, he had a friend die the night before from brain cancer. And I didn't know it at the time, but it was a kid that I met at the Darius Webb event that I did. Um, and I introduced him because he was a big Ravens fan. So he could get pictures with Webby and, um, you know, so I met that and I'm like, oh, my God, it came full circle to me that I, I just saw this kid, uh, you know, I don't know, about five months ago. And, and now he's gone. And Mo wanted to do a moment of silence for him. And the way that I explained it to people is like, think about the thing you wanted most in your life, no matter what it was. If it was a trip, a car, like let's say it was a car and I just bought you the car you wanted. And your first 
your first reaction is to let somebody else drive it. You know, like that's Mo. The first thing he wanted to do when he got his very own radio show was do a moment of silence for his buddy. And I just that that always stick with me, just how he was and just, you know, how amazing of a kid and, and how he just gets it. You know, he gets life and treats people the way that they should be treated. And it's something that I'll take away a 14 year old kid that understands how we should react and how we should treat other people more so than a lot of adults do. And, and you're talking about, you know, how, how he, we talked about, I guess on Saturday that he seemed, he was a, in, on an old soul, they say, you know, he's a wise yeah. soul. And I, I think, I've, I don't know if I've told the story on here before. I think I've told you, I was telling uh, Damon and Mandalara when he came down on Saturday, it was awesome to see him, but that my sister-in-law used to teach at his middle school. And she said he would hear the, the younger female teachers in the hallway and he would go up to them and hit their legs with his, with his cane and would say, you know, whoops, didn't see you there. And, and, you know, in the typical, like, and it's like, that's not a, that's not a sense of humor that like an 11 or 12 year old kid has. Like, like that's a hysterical joke. Which, what, again, what the other, so perfect. Or is Eric to that, to that effect, you talk about him just being so outgoing and, and the things he would do. The story was told to me is that, you know, for, for kids that are visually impaired, they have to do normal day-to-day stuff that you don't factor in. Like, so when you're an adult, if you're functioning on your own, you don't have somebody living with you, how do you go grocery shopping? So one of the events that they would have to do is go to the grocery store. And Mo was given that he has to go buy peanut butter. This is the story I was told. Now, again, I got to get the, uh, make, validate it to make sure this is 100% true. But I laughed my ass off when they told me because you know Mo as well as I do. And they were like, oh, he's like, okay, I got to get peanut butter. So he walks into the grocery store. And as soon as the doors behind him close, he just starts going, I need peanut butter. I need peanut butter. I need peanut butter. And then somebody comes over and he goes, I need a jar of peanut butter. And then so he went and paid for it. He came out in like three minutes. They're like, wow, Mo, that's amazing. And then he told me what he did. So, I mean, just, just an amazing kid, man. I, I, had, I hadn't heard that one. Um, but yeah. no, that, that's good. Uh, and, and you're talking about, you know, getting emotional on Saturday. I, like I said, I don't know how you held it in. The second that we unveiled that Moe's Rose banner, I lost it. Like, I don't even yeah. know if you were talking yet. I don't even know if they had the video up yet. But I was like, it, it, was, it was a rough showing for me there. But, um, no, again, yeah, it was an awesome game. And um, so, some of the stories, t- two stories, if you want to fill, fill the, the people in. I heard you tell it on the morning show on uh, Monday. And then you told us on Saturday at Pickles, too, about – Tell, uh, can you tell us the story about the the dress code on Friday for the luncheon that you were unaware of, and then the Joe Angel uh, golf cart speech, yeah. which, which was much better uh, seeing seeing it. But but can you fill us in on those two real quick? Yeah, it was. I mean, it was funny too. So the the Joe Angel thing, like he was sick the day before, so he missed the luncheon, um, and they were obviously everyone's worried about COVID. He got his test, it came back negative, so he, he feels like he just had a cold. So Joe Angel, they put him on a golf cart. And I'm thinking, man, Joe, Joe must be, hopefully he's not hurting or whatever. And then they drive him out to, you know, behind home plate. I'm like, all right. Then all of a sudden they go to announce his name and he's doing jumping jacks and running up and down. And he sprints out to, to do his, um, his speech. And, and I'm like, what the hell? Why did he get the golf cart? Maybe I needed the golf cart treatment, you know, take my lazy ass out there. But no, <laughs> Joe was great. And just speaking to the, the people that were presenting, my favorite was Ross because Ross, I'm sitting there talking to him. He goes, I'll figure out what I'm going to say when I get up there. And like at the, uh, the hall of fame luncheon, he was wearing like a suit and for the presentation, he was wearing like a Hawaiian shirt. And, and Ross <laughs> is like the epitome of cool. He just doesn't care. Cause he got up on the mic and he said something to the effect of, 
Hey, man, I played with uh, two really, really good center fielders. And um, one of them was Paul Blair. And y'all know how good Paul Blair was. The other one was, I think he said Andre Dawson. Was like, Andre Dawson, he's a Hall of Famer. And Devereaux's as good as him, like Devereaux. And then that was it. Like, that was just his introduction. <laughs> it was so good. But the day before, and, you know, I should have thought this out a little bit better, but I, I'd never gone to the Hall of Fame luncheon. I usually don't go to a lot of those events. I mean, my life is so ridiculously busy. Um, I, I feel like if, if I'm not in a total headspin that things aren't normal. Like, that's just – my everyday is just insane. Um, and I just keep adding more and more stuff to it. And, and, by the way, the more and more that gambling becomes prevalent in sports and we're talking about it, I've been given so many offers to do so many different things. And I'm trying to do all of them, which is just crazy. So my life's going to get crazier. But, you know, I was down the ocean until – Wednesday came back got a tooth extracted Wednesday they told me they asked me about coming to the Hall of Fame lunch and invited me my boss from I work at a roofing company too um he he bought me a ticket and then they invited me and had an extra one so I was thinking about and, and truth be told I, you know I had uh, last Wednesday the, the anniversary of Mo's death I had a buddy of mine kill himself and so he had his funeral the same day so I had to decide what I was going to do um whether it was go to that funeral or go to uh, this thing for Mo and, and like, I, I was really torn on what I was supposed to do. Cause I could have gone to the funeral and then done the, the hall of fame speech on Saturday, but like, I really wanted to take it all in. And I knew Sanzi was speaking and that for some reason that, that held more weight to me than everything else. Um, but my dumb ass got up in the morning and I'm like, what to wear, what to wear. It's a hall of fame luncheon. They told me Sanzi and her whole family's coming down. And I'm like, everybody's going to be wearing their most strong stuff. So I throw on a most strong t-shirt and a pair of khaki shorts. And I head on down. And as I pull into the parking lot, I look up and I'm like, ah, oh, shit, <laughs> there's a guy in a suit. There's a guy in a suit. There's another guy in a suit. Well, that guy's got a polo on, still looks better than what I do. I was the worst dressed person at the Hall of Fame luncheon. And all I had to do was make fun of myself and just kind of, you know, um, everybody was like, hey, I'm the worst dressed person here. Like kind of just destroying myself in front of people. To, so I didn't feel as embarrassed as I actually was. But I was definitely 100 percent the worst dressed person ever at a hall of fame luncheon <laughs> super embarrassing uh, i was cracking up when you were uh when you were telling them that story on the on monday morning but again i mean was, uh, dude i got it so i'm talking to mike elias and he sees rob and i he goes oh you guys are vast you're dressed vastly different i guess one <laughs> i was like damn it so yeah look it's it's embarrassing but i'll roll with the punches it was just stupid on my i'm usually the worst dressed person everywhere i go i'm comfortable in shorts and a t-shirt like that's all I want to wear a year round. It could be the winter time. Um, so when you dress me up in a suit, not that I don't have suits, I got plenty of them. I got, I mean, I can dress up anytime I want. I just hate it. So I should have like thought about it and just dressed up and then said, Oh, at the worst I'll be overdressed and I'll just take a jacket off. But no. So that's why I asked about wearing the sports coat on, on Saturday. And they said, yeah, just wear it over a t-shirt. So yeah, yeah, you, you played it safe on Saturday with that. But um, talking about Michael Elias, there's been some the big J journalists. It seems like they have a target on the Orioles now. And we had we had a piece from Buster Olney today and a piece from Ken Rosenthal earlier in the week talking about the Orioles rebuild and how it's bad for baseball and yada, yada, yada. Um, do you think these pieces, are they justified in 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 what they're trying to say? Are you seeing progress? Like, are, or do you just think it's a dog days of summer and these guys are looking for some low hanging fruit? Yeah, I mean, this I'm all fine with criticism the way it should be. And I'm fine with someone that says, you know, tanking is bad for sports. Um, 
but it's not. I mean, it's it's in the grand scheme of how everything's set up. Like, uh, you know, I was talking about it today. Like, if you want to sit here and talk about salary caps and all the other nonsense, uh, Major League Baseball doesn't have it. Um, and there were a lot of people that were chirping back at Buster Olney for his take. Uh, so my big problem with what they're saying, so we'll start with Olney. Olney sits here and says that this is terrible. Meanwhile, all these guys praise the Astros. They're all talking about how great the White Sox are now. What do you think those teams did? I mean, they went through years of losing. Now, the big difference is they'll go, well, Buster said in his tweet that the Orioles are going to, it's an unprecedented mark. They're going to lose over 100 games in three consecutive seasons of 115, 107, and they're on pace to lose 106 or whatever it was this year. Going back to what was it, 2011, 12, and 13, where the Astros lost over 100 games all three years. It's not unprecedented. It's happened before. Hell, it's happened in the last decade. So don't sit here and, and tell me that when, again, these are all the same guys that were praising the Astros for how they built everything back up. Um, John Heyman, F that guy. Like, and he, he works for the same company I work for because on the same day he tweeted out, the Orioles have no business being on the field with the Yankees. I think um, Yacobonis or somebody was starting for him that day and he had like a seven-run ERA. It's like, oh, this, this can't happen. This is bad for baseball. And then a tweet a few minutes later was like, man, the Houston Astros are so much fun to watch. It's like, Come on, dude, get a life, like get a grip on everything that's happening in sports. And the article that Ken Rosenthal wrote was just absolute trash. I mean, he sits here and he compares the Orioles to the Giants and how this is bad for baseball. The Giants this year, it's a great story, but they're more like it's not the why not Orioles of 89, but nobody expected this. I mean, Kevin Gosman, Buster Posey, uh, Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt, Evan Longoria. These are all guys that are, I mean, outside of Gosman. They're at the back end of their career, and they're having career years all in the same season. You look at their outfield roster. I mean, they just made a trade for Chris Bryant. Kudos to them. Like, Johnny Cueto's having a good year. Who expected that? He's been god-awful the past couple of years as he's bounced around the league. Their bullpen's held up. It's a solid bullpen. Kind of reminds me of the Orioles when they were winning all those one-run games, and everybody's like, how are they doing this? This team's not that good. You look at the, the outfield before they made the trade for Chris Bryant. It's a who's who of nobodies. So the Giants, hats off to them. But I don't think it's sustainable what they have. They're going to need young players to come up. Wilmer Flores is on that team after being on, you know, a couple of different teams. So they're not, like, comparatively speaking, to try to say, oh, they're so far back. And my, You didn't even talk about where they started. Like, Mike Elias, where did he start, um, you know, as, uh, comparatively speaking? What, what type of team did he inherit, if you want to talk about the GM of the Giants? Like, I just think it's all garbage. It's, it's the, the easy, you know, it's easy pickings right now to take shots at the O's, but what they're doing makes so much sense in the way that everything's constructed. If you want to look at it from a, a different viewpoint, people were crapping all over um, the Tampa Bay Lightning because in the, in the NHL, remember a couple of their players got hurt and then they get mm -hmm. the exemption to go pay for other players. So they did that. They spent as much money as they could. And then people were pissed off saying this isn't right. Although all the teams voted for it. One of the teams that voted against it, ironically, was Tampa Bay. And they were allowed to do it and they end up winning the championship. And people are like, oh, this is unfair. It was in the rules. So if you want to change the rules, then go ahead. But if you're going to put a floor in, you're going to have to put a cap in as well. It just doesn't make sense. And for all the people, for example, that pointed at the Rays, oh, the Rays were in the World Series last year, and then they were in it a couple, you know, five years ago, and the Royals went back-to-back -back years. By the way, what happened to the Royals after they went back-to-back -back years? They sold off everything because they can't afford to, to compete with those teams. The Rays make it. They have a great business model. But at some point, the Rays are going to make a trade that blows up in their face. It's just been an injury – a uh, player doesn't perform the way they expected. And then we're back at square one talking about all oh, these, you know, these uh, mid-level teams or, you know, they were called mid-majors in college. Um, they're, you know, they can't spend as much money as the other teams. You can, when you can throw money at a problem, you can fix it relatively quick and you can take chances that other teams can't, you know? 
So it's baseball of all the sports. It's not a level playing field. You just have to adapt to it. So I think what the Orioles are doing is fine. It sucks that it takes this long, but it's fine. You know yeah, what? The Giants also have Maryland's finest, Lamont Wade, having a having yeah, he's yeah. yeah, my guy. You know what struck me as very strange, or at least when I woke up this morning and saw the Buster only tweet, um, was kind of the timing of it. Because the opportunity to pounce on the Orioles for what they were doing was last year or the year before when they really bottomed things out. They have pieces, and the trade deadline just passed. They had some pieces they could have traded away and further bottomed out, and they didn't do that. Trey Mancini's still around. John Means is still around. And you're starting to see some of the light at the end of the tunnel with these guys that are, you know, dominating at, at AA and, and moving up to AAA and all these things. So it feels like to me, yes, there's this long rebuilding process. It's a four- to five-year process or however long you want to define it. But they're probably 60 to 70% of the way through that process. I think yeah. we're, we're, we're looking at maybe a 500 team in 2023, and then maybe the year that we kind of arrive is 2024. We're more than halfway past the point. So the, the, the time to get your shots in on the Orioles, in my opinion, has already passed. And so that was John Heyman a couple of years ago. And, of course, like you said, that was trash. It is what it is. I thought it was just very bizarre for Buster Olney to wake up early this morning and say what he said when he did. Yeah, and then Keith Olbermann started chirping in too, like defending him. I guess, you know, your your friends and, and understanding that it's not like Major League Baseball can just say we're going to put a salary cap in because the Players Association has been allowed to happen. But, you know, like how do you prevent – it's 162 games. So do you tell teams not to put out an inferior product when they call up young players in September? Do they start calling them up earlier? How do you tell guys who they have to sign? Are they going to go out and, you know, spend money, spend more money on inferior players just to bring them in? They're still going to skirt, you know, circumvent – the, the, the issue that, that is at hand. And oh, by the way, with the Giants, just going back to it, because I looked it up earlier today, and I don't mean to throw in the shortened season where they were below 500, but it was four or five consecutive years of being below 500, including a 98 loss season. And, and look, for people that want to point at the 100 loss mark, okay, it's 100 loss. They lost eight more games in them. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. You're still one of the worst teams in the base in, in, in Major League Baseball, and you're picking in the top 10, top five usually when you have that many losses. So, again, I don't care how many games they lost. They were a bad team. The Giants lost 98. I think it was like 93 and then like 89 or something or 88 in three consecutive years when they're in this and they're not even in a rebuild. At some point, they're going to have to say goodbye to Posey, to Crawford, to Longoria, to all these older players and, and rebuild that as well. And they may do it with financially. They might be a little bit more set and forgive me because I don't know a ton about the Giants farm system, but I don't think it's loaded like the Orioles is. So now the Orioles are in a better shot to make a run. And, and the point of it being too, like they're in the, one of the toughest divisions. You have two teams up top that are spending so much money in Boston and New York and trying to compete with them. So you have to develop your model where you can sustain winning that. It's not just how it's been like, Oh, we're good for four years. Now we suck for four or 10 or whatever it may be. And then Buster was trying to point at, look at the Phillies when they tried to rebuild, who cares? What does that have to do that? Did they draft appropriately? I like to think the Orioles have been drafting fairly well. They have the number one hitting prospect and the number one pitching prospect in all of baseball. And people go, well, it's easy to find them when you're one of the worst teams in the league. Well, no, it's not always because we've had teams drafting number one and these guys flop, you know, like or they don't pan out. They don't even make it to the major leagues. If you look at like top 10 picks routinely, you can go back 2013, 2014, start looking at all the names going, man, I've never even heard of this guy. Where is he? Well, he's out of the league. I mean, Mark Appel, you remember him? The number one overall pick never even made it. So, I mean, that stuff happens and it's picking the right guys and making the right decisions. And oh, by the way, having a great business model. And Michael Elias has proven that he can do it in Houston. 
And then now I think he's starting to show it. The minor leagues are built up. Now it's a matter of what they can do in free agency and how much these players grow. Yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I think you're spot on. And, and Banks, I'm, I'm with you too. Like, the, it, it was a very weird timing for, for Olney to say it. And I also thought it was very strange that it was two former Baltimore Sun they, they were they not not Baltimore Sun, yeah. but they both were yeah, they both, B writers, both right? Baltimore Sun, yeah. yeah, yeah, they both Baltimore Sun. And I mean, Ken Rosenthal, he's had. I mean, there's there's some. I think there's some issues there. I mean, he has. I don't know that he's spoken about it. Like we were actually talking about it this morning behind the scenes. Um, uh, we talked about it obviously on the air, but there was stuff we got into, and it's like I don't know what his beef is. You know, like Keith Law. Like I love Keith Law, where most people in this town hate him. Keith Law. Keith's been nothing but nice to me every time I've talked to him. But he's got a he's vindictive against the Orioles, and that that stems back from when one of his buddies they thought he was getting the GM job here, and something fell through and happened. And I think that's where his vitriol, if you will, stems with the Orioles. But um, you know, like he again, I'm fine with him, and he doesn't write nice things about. It. I don't think you have to be nice to the Orioles for me to enjoy what you're doing. I just don't understand some of the guys' stances. And uh, to me, when you start bashing teams for tanking. I just think you're so out of line to talk about it when it is a viable scheme to get better for the long haul. It's, it's, it's one of the smartest things to do. Like Mark Cuban speaking about the Mavericks. He goes, I don't go out there and tell these guys to intentionally lose, but am I intentionally putting an inferior product out there hoping that we lose? Of course, because it gives me a better chance. Like if you, if, if you had a, if you go back and look at a regular season game, say, man, we won four more games in that team, but we missed out on the number one pick because we had less odds and in the, the NBA, it's a little bit different because you have a lottery, but, but, you know, if you missed out on that pick, that could have changed your franchise. Imagine in the NFL, you know, winning a, a half a game more, being behind the team, and then now you got to mortgage your future, three first-round picks to move up one spot to get the quarterback everybody wanted or the player everybody wanted. It just makes more sense. And, again, nobody's telling you to intentionally lose, but if you put out an inferior product more times than not, it works itself out. Yeah, and the tough part of Major League Baseball is, you know, if you're in the NBA and you tank, you get the, you know, you start reaping the – hey, Zion Williamson gives us hope rewards immediately, whereas it takes, you know, four years to get a guy like Grayson Rodriguez or three years to get a guy like Adley Rushman up. So your, fa- your fan base in the national scope that's not – or the national scope that's not focusing on you day in and day out is like what is going on there when in fact – and I think the Orioles have done a really good job. We've talked about it on here. They have promoted their prospects as really their top players on their social media and everything they do really well. So Baltimore fans know what's happening or people sort of in this market but if you're looking outside, you're not really paying attention to any of those things that are happening. Yeah, and, and it's not just – even talking about them having a the number one pitching and hitting prospect in baseball now, um, it's, it's all the other stuff. It's how many guys they have in the top 100 because, you know, knock on wood, I don't want to see anything happen, but we've seen strange things happen. Guy blowing out his shoulder, sliding in the second base, he tears his ACL, he's not the same player, and now he's got to switch positions. Um, you know, there all kinds of things happen. You get sick, what, whatever it may be that causes you like hell. I mean, we've seen guys die like the Jose Fernandez died in the, the boat accident. I mean, like there's, there's all kinds of things that can happen to make this not work out the way you want, just cause you get top guys, but ultimately they're putting themselves in the best situation. Now being involved in the international market, actually developing players like the Orioles in years past, there was so much to be said about signability. Like they'd pass on a guy because they didn't, they're like, Oh, he's going to want too much money. Now they go into it and some people criticize them for it, but then they take a guy that's, under slot at their pick who's a really good player that they really like and then all of a sudden in the second round or if they get a comp pick at the back end of the first round they overpay for a guy that should have been a first round pick a high schooler and convince them not to go to college and we're seeing that like look at the numbers of what Gunnar Henderson's doing that's exactly what happened when he committed to Auburn they they overslotted him and paid him more money and they think he might be you know the shortstop third baseman of the future 
yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they how they continue to move through. Because I, 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 it'll be interesting when the pressure kind of starts to mount here. That that's I'm kind of interested in your guys' thoughts. Like, when does the pressure mount? Like, Banks, when do you think the pressure mounts in Baltimore? Like, because people are pretty accepting of this. Normally, you lose this much, people are like done with it. When yeah, when there, people- there were starting to be people a little bit. I don't know when that. How long did the losing streak go? And what was it? June, maybe. Yeah, seventeen games or something. Fourteen games, whatever it was. Like. That people were starting to talk about Brandon week. Hyde's job, and it was like, hey, I mean, come on, like, look at his, look, well, look what ingredients he's working with. So, I think I, I laid it out about ten minutes ago. I think twenty twenty three is kind of the target where you you want to start seeing some some actual results, and obviously that depends on the trajectory of some of those players that come in and some of the things that Elias does to kind of supplement the team around the young guys. So. Um, I think that's kind of the target date a lot of people have in mind. That's what I have in mind, at least. And uh, maybe that's when we start to see what Brandon Hyde has as a manager or what we really start to make some judgments on on what this process is really, you know, kind of spat out and, and see if it's really one that's, you know, going to work out in the long term. Yeah, the sad part with that, too, is like I, I love Brandon Hyde, like just talking to him off the air. Uh, the interviews I've had on the air, like he was, I went up to him and Trey and I wanted to say something to John means after I gave the speech um, and just thank them for, you know, giving Mo the opportunity to be around the team and some of the things he was afforded to do and being part of the big Mo show. And on top of that, when we did the, uh, um, the tribute show on his birthday uh, last or the early this year or early last year, excuse me. Um, or was it this year? This I, I, my dude, my mind's torture early this year. I mean, <laughs> so so the point is, like, I, you know, I, I like him a lot. I've always said that I thought he was the guy before the guy. Like, they were going to fire him and then bring in a vet after the team gets good. But, like, we had people – you see it on the message board. You see it on social media now where people are like, why is Hyde pitching this guy? We went over all the, the bullpen ERA numbers. Who do you want him to put out there? Like, they had consecutive nights where – what was it, Friday night, where every single person he went to in the bullpen gave up runs. They had another back-to-back nights in the eighth inning where they scored five runs each time in the eighth. It doesn't matter who he goes to. None of the guys are very good. And, and the guys that you were relying on, like Paul Fry, they're like, they have hiccups. They have, you know, he started off slow, got hot, was pitching well, and now not so much. You know, Tanner Scott struggled throwing strikes there for the longest period of time. There's just a lot that you can sit here and look at and point to with the team and say, they're not very good in this aspect, but people are like, it's still expecting was like, why did he make that pitching change? Some guy called in today and said, I can't believe they took Lopez out. It's like, he threw a hundred pitches. What, what team is letting the, like, he's only done that two other times this year. How many teams, he finished an inning throwing a hundred pitches and he didn't come out for the seventh. And the guy's like, well, these guys are coddled. And I said, well, that's a different debate. Don't sit here and tell me that the manager's got to put him out there because he was pitching halfway decent. And oh, by the way, what was Lopez's problems all year long? getting through the lineup a third time. (laughs) You know, it's just like the way that people think, it just boggles my mind sometimes. But, I mean, I'd like to see Brandon Hyde get a a God's honest opportunity with a team that can compete and just see what he does. And I I don't know that he'll be afforded that. I've always thought that, you know, there was going to be a vet manager that comes in after him when the team's ready to, to hopefully make a run. We can kind of close the book on the Orioles now too, and 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 start to I guess look on to not for me but bigger and brighter things for the Ravens <laughs> coming up. Yeah, your, um, your eyes are on Nashville, Eric. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're 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 on to Nashville. But preseason football starts, I guess, this week. We got games coming up soon, don't we? Saturday yeah. night. Yeah, Saturday night. 
are, you're hammering the Ravens money line in every game, are you not? Because when was the last time they lost a preseason game? Like, are you gambling on on preseason games or because again, the Ravens haven't lost since what 2012, 2013? Dude, they they love winning. They love winning more <laughs> than any other. It doesn't matter if it's preseason. I bet on those intra squad scrimmages. Hardball's keeping score over there. Uh, he just loves it. But uh, I said this about betting on the. I said if you're betting on the preseason, you're playing with fire. And I'd be lying if I said I never played with fire. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it, it look, it's it's too much of a crapshoot, um, at least in my opinion. And I, I like if you're going to dabble and have some fun and you want to watch a game and throw a couple bucks on it, I'm listening to you. But like, should be 25 or 50. You shouldn't be getting crazy. Like something's a lock in the preseason because literally you don't, unless you have inside information, you have no idea how long the starters are going to stay out. That's for either team. Um, you can sit here and look at depth chart after depth chart and say, oh, this is the best situation. This is how we should do it. You just don't know what these teams are going to do. So, no, I don't really bet on it. I was playing some da- – it was daily uh, fantasy preseason football there for a while, and I'm like, I'm tired of looking up who the third-string running back is and trying to see if there was an article written that he's going to play the entire second half to try to get an edge on somebody. So I stopped doing that too and just waiting for the regular season. What Ravens storyline are you already tired of talking about on the radio right now? Vaccinations. I just, mm-hmm. I, <laughs> yep. no I mean, so, I mean, my whole thing with this is, is I think everyone should get vaccinated personally. I think you should get vaccinated. There are people that are anti-vaxxed. Okay. Like it, it's, it's your prerogative, but I also tell people, I don't want to hear you bitch about some of your restrictions when they tell you you can't do things. It's the same way when people talk about freedom of speech, like I got the freedom of speech. I can say what I want. Yeah, but also your employer, there could be consequences and repercussions for you saying that. Feel free to say it. You piss somebody off and then this happens. My The biggest gripe I have with these NFL players, and it is, it's their choice if they want to do it. Lamar's saying it's personal, and then he said he's going to talk to the team doctors. I can save you some time. The team doctors are going to tell you to get vaccinated. I haven't heard any doctors out there saying, don't do this. And we can talk about people with pre-existing conditions. It's few and far between. My wife has MS. She was told to get the um uh the 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 vaccine is like a lot of people there are certain people that weren't and there are concerns over it and i get that i totally understand it but my my problem with football players sitting here saying i don't want to put something in my body most of these guys are putting a lot of stuff in their body they don't know what it's going to do for the long-term effects and every time you step out on the field you are and and i know this is kind of a, a counterproductive thing to sit here and talk about they are risking cte you're risking your body breaking down later in life you're risking having brain issues which we've seen from plenty of players you're risking that all the time unknowingly. Like you're getting out there. You know something could happen, but it might not. You may take the vaccine and be 100% fine. You may take it and have side effects. Who knows? Um, I'm just tired of talking about it because my whole point on whether if you don't have the vaccine yet, unless it's a, a work-related thing or you know timing, whatever your family situation is, you know whether or not you're getting it. Um, you know, it's not like me getting up there and talking about it for hours and saying, go get your vaccine, go do this. I don't think I'm changing anybody's mind one way or another. And it's my biggest problem with just society in general and why I don't talk politics is it comes down to this crap all the time is that it's party over everything. Like, I, I mean, I just sat here and listened to Rand Paul talk about, uh, you know, these mask mandates and vaccines and it's BS. That guy got the freaking vaccine. There's pictures of him getting it. You know, you're, you got all these, it's turned into a religious thing and this and that. I'm just so sick of it. I just want to talk football and actually talk the game. And I, I think Lamar, for, in my opinion, just hearing him talk about it, he just sounds very uneducated on the whole thing. Um, but, but again, it's, it's his choice to do whatever the hell he wants. 
So that's why I'm tired of talking about it, even though I just rambled on for God knows how long about it. Yeah, yeah I think we, we did the exact same thing last week. We just got exasperated, but talked about it for 15 minutes. Yeah, we got exasperated. <laughs> I think it may have been two weeks ago, and then yeah. he came back middle or late last week or whatever. But just the entire point of it is we spent most of last season talking about nothing but COVID and who's going to be out this week, that week. And then we saw the season get derailed there in November. And all I want to do when we got to preseason is – talk about football and just move on from this entire thing and to happen on day one for this entire thing to happen all over again it can't be more frustrating there couldn't be a single thing more frustrating um than what it's the most important guy right like i mean we yeah. all know it this team lives and dies by him like there are a lot of important players on this team lamar's a former mvp um if he's unvaccinated and he comes back and he gets covid now for a third time or he gets symptoms for a third time um he's going to miss two games. If he gets the vaccine and he gets symptoms or it's contact tracing or this or that, whatever it may be. And then all of a sudden he gets two negative tests before Sunday, he can play on Sunday. So there is a, a and then there's also the fact of teams having to forfeit games. And I don't know how you guys feel. Like I think the AFC is, I think there's a lot of good teams. I think there's a bunch of teams. Like people aren't talking about the chargers. If they get if the Broncos get any type of good quarterback play, the Colts just got a bunch of bad news. I think the Miami Dolphins have the best roster in football, but I'm not a believer in Tua. Um, you know, so it's there's there's a lot to like in the AFC. And, and oh, by the way, I didn't talk about the teams we all expect to be good. You know, Buffalo and Kansas City, F Tennessee. Um, but but no, but I mean, all these teams that it's it's going to be a fun race to see. But missing out on a game or two, if it causes your team to lose or even an extended period of time. I mean, that could be going on the road. That could be missing the playoffs. It cost it's just, us a division last year. Yeah. <laughs> Plain and simple. I mean, you lose two games to the Steelers. You had to play the Steelers with third-string players. Hell, they almost didn't make it until Lamar got the poops out and came back and threw a touchdown pass. You know, yeah. like you think you think about that Cleveland game and how crazy that was because Trace got hurt in that game. And, by the way, don't believe in either one of these backups. Like, all due respect to Trace and, and Snoop, as we learned uh, Huntley's nickname was. I, you know, watch him in the preseason. I, I see some good things, but I don't want to rely on that guy as the quarterback of my team for an entire season or for an extended period of time. On the converse side, what Ravens thing are you excited to talk about? <laughs> More positive. Well, I mean, I just want to see if they really do something from an offensive scheme standpoint, because they can say what they want. And I'm not sitting here telling you I'm a football coach and I, look, I'm a novice at this. I've been talking sports my whole life. I love drawing up plays and drawing up schemes it, you know, and, and seeing how things work. I love seeing tandem routes. I love what the Patriots do and running these, you know, pick plays. I love Andy Reid's mind as far as drawing up screen passes, high percentage, low risk, high reward type plays. And these are pitch and catch. They're really easy to do. Um, and the Ravens don't do any of that. Uh, the, the routes that these guys were running and you heard Steve Smith scream about it. You heard other guys scream about it, whether you believe him, Kurt Warner drawing it up. The route trees or the, the route combinations that this team runs sometimes, in my mind, make no sense. And whether it's on the player or it's on the coaches, how do two guys end up in the same damn area? Um, you know, it's, it's just – it boggles my mind that they haven't – I think Lamar is a lot better than what people give him credit for as far as reading defenses. And, I, look, he talks fast. He's from the South, and people want to look at him and say, well, he's not that bright. I think he's incredibly intelligent. But you're not even giving him the best chance to succeed by putting these players in the best situations. Like, I feel like – the first couple of years they've used Hollywood all the, all the wrong ways. Like there's so many different things you could have this guy doing that threaten the defense, but they haven't used it. And maybe there's stuff that I don't know, but like, I just want to see if the scheme changes to me, that's the most exciting thing. 
Like, I, I think Bateman is even more NFL ready than Hollywood is. You know, the news today sucks with him getting hurt, but I'm intrigued to see how this whole thing comes together because I finally feel like they have decent pieces on offense. That's pretty, that's pretty well said. Couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I mean, yeah. it's, it was with the entire storyline of the offseason. It was all the lead up to the draft. We got a guy that fits a lot of the, the types of things that we want to, to kind of add as a compliment to the receiving core. And um, I mean, it's yet to be seen what in terms of schematics, Greg Roman and, and the new wide receivers coach and all these types of things, what the uh, what will come to fruition from that. But that's the entire purpose of preseason football. That's that's what you get excited about. You're excited to see what's going to happen there. You hope not for injuries and uh, you hope to not have to talk about vaccines. And so there you have it. It's fascinating yeah. to me that, as you said, like the Ravens, you know, schematically have moved, obviously away from where the rest of the league is going and, and utilize the running game so much. And, and Lamar is such a unique skill set in what he does for them to not take the extra step and be creative in how they use a guy like Hollywood. I think that's such a perfect point. How could you not be moving that guy around the field and, and using him? And Andy Reid would take that guy and put him on a variety of different places on the field. It just doesn't feel like there's a there's creativity and, and, and pushing it a different way in one place and then just total stagnation on another level of it. It's very yeah, pe- people want to compare him to like Tyree Kill, but it, I'll, I'll do you one better, a player that's not of that caliber, but still a pretty good player. Look at how Andy Reid uses McCole Hardman. I mean, yeah. he's a speedster. He's a small guy. Like, I, I thought Hollywood had a chance to be like Deshaun Jackson. So I, lo- I loved him a lot coming out of college. And I think there's, uh, you know, definite ways to have success. And, and the way that that guy is used the most is with the deep ball down the field. But you put him in situations where you get him a quick pass off the line, an end around, a, you know, some sort of trap that you're going to use, a misdirection. I mean, all types of things that you can do. And I'm not telling you it's got to be a gimmick offense. I think they should run the ball 60% of the time. But when you run the ball as much as they do, everybody is on their toes ready to come forward. So what are you, you going to have? you got guys that are clearly going to stack the box. So you need guys that can win one-on-ones on the outside. And if the route tree sucks and you're going to have guys in certain areas, it's going to look like players aren't open and Lamar's not going to make those throws. Um, you know, teams really feasted upon doubling Mark Andrews last year or at least showing it a ton of times to confuse him. He had, uh, you know, it was, it was still okay from the standard when you look at his numbers, but not what we expected from Mark Andrews as people were rating him the third best tight end in the league behind the two studs with, with Kittle and Kelsey. But I, I just, you know, like it boggles my mind sometimes when I watch their offense where it just seems so, so predictable of what they're going to do. And then there were times when Kurt Warner was breaking it down, he showed they ran the same plays that they started the game with at the start of the third quarter, like identical. And one of them got picked off in that game that they were watching. And I'm going, that's just piss poor, man. It's, it's, it's that like that, that production that you're not, that you should be getting out of this team. I don't even care if they have inferior talent. If the scheme is good, you're still going to make plays in it. Like it doesn't, I don't want to say it doesn't matter who's on the offensive line. Like this team's going to run for a lot, whether it's the number one rushing team in the league or not, they're going to. Um, But you know, with the players you have, you got to put them in the best situations to succeed. And I don't think they did that. I don't think they have done that period. And that's one, that's what been one of my biggest criticisms of the offenses they've had in here. Even when they brought in um, Jim Caldwell, Caldwell never been an offensive coordinator at the NFL level. The offense still looked fine here. It was okay. And he ends up getting a head coaching job. And the weird thing about that was they were going to fire him. So they were happy that someone, uh, you know, gave him a head coaching job. It's just, a lot of the stuff hasn't made sense to me. And, and I think part of the problem is that Harbaugh has been unbelievably loyal to his guys. He defends them, which is, it's an admirable trait to have, but at some point, you know, your ass is going to be on the chopping block if things don't go right. 
And this team has this window with a quarterback on a rookie deal where I mean, you should be putting out like you're hoping for Super Bowl appearances. You're hoping for championships or even deep runs in the playoffs. And we just haven't seen it yet. And Lamar's the one being criticized. And I don't think it's his fault at all. Jeremy, we'll get you out of here on this because, you you know, you talked about all the gambling opportunities you're starting to get. I'm kind of fascinated by your perspective here on how much this gambling thing is booming right now. Two guys that host this show with me, right for a company that's going to be very involved and it doesn't move forward. You have just insane money being thrown at it. The teams, you know, Monumental Sports is putting a sports book at Capital One Arena. Where do you see this? Like, is there a ceiling for this thing? I'm just fascinated by it. Just as like a, a sports business, you know, you have all these people, you know, in it and you're going to be very in it, it seems like to me. Yeah, I mean, I look, I've interviewed for a ton of other jobs. I'm not saying I'm leaving the morning show or anything like that, but I've interviewed with a ton of other companies about coming to work for them and doing gambling stuff. I'm actually, nothing's been announced yet, so I'm probably, probably shouldn't be saying this, but I'm going to be hosting a a gambling show on Sunday mornings um, on our national network in like 15 different cities, which they think could grow to 25 by the end of the year. Um, And then there's so many more opportunities out there. What people don't realize is the next two years in areas where sports gambling is becoming legal, it's all new money. Like, on our station alone, once sports gambling is officially legal, there there's a chance that you hear a stop set instead of hearing restaurant, restaurant, roofing, uh, plumbing, um, whatever, you know, a, a promo for this, a sports update that you hear. Sports book, sports book, sports book, restaurant, sports book, sports book. Oh, here we go into an update sponsored by a sports book. Let's get the traffic, which is also sponsored by another sports book. There's so much money out there because the next two years, What's going to happen? It's like the big FanDuel and DraftKings boom. They spent so much money in years one, two, and three to promote it. Like all the money they were making, they put right back in advertising. But once they realized that they had most of their players in, they're still going to get new players along the way. But it didn't make sense for them to keep advertising because the same people are coming back. So they pulled back all that advertising. That's why they – I mean, we all know it. We all know what they're doing. You still saw it on some of the major networks but they weren't spending anywhere near the money they had when they initially started. So this is all going to blow up. I mean, they've talked about putting me on TV and I, I mean, look, I think I'm a damn handsome man, but most people don't (laughs) this this face. I don't know that you want to put this face on TV, but uh, you know, hell, when I got the gig with Garceau, we were on TV. And as soon as they announced that I was going to be on TV, the Orioles said, nah, we're going to take the show off. I'm like, son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it makes you feel like the ugliest damn person in the world. But whatever. And then it's funny. I grow this beard. I'm like, well, I'll just cover more of the face. And I was talking to somebody else. She's like, would you be willing to shave the beard if we? I'm like, son of a bitch, man. Like, what do you, what do you guys want from me? They folded the entire arena football league on Eric and I. See, well, yeah, see, that's what happens, man. Yeah. And you guys are damn handsome human beings. So, um, I just think, like, you know, for years I've sat here and argued with people about sports gambling and. Uh, it has its evils. There's there's a lot of good to it, and but there's there's a ton of money to be made. The thing that scares me right now is, and I'm not going to knock all these networks in different places. I know you guys work with Barstool. Uh, they hired a bunch of people. I'm seeing like Colin Coward did his creepy dumbass video. Uh, yeah, I'm in a good mood. <laughs> and he starts laughing. It's like, what the F is this guy talking about? So he's starting his platform and he's got handicappers on there. The big problem is, and this isn't me, this is going to come across so sexist and so ridiculous, is what a lot of places are doing is they're hiring pretty faces. I mean, you got to look at people's backgrounds and see how much knowledge they have uh, when it comes to sports books and, and actually betting. How many of these people have actually bet? How many of these people have lost so much money in a week that they were eating oodles and noodles and peanut butter and jelly when they first started gambling? You know, <laughs> like I, 
I've lost more money than most people have bet. And I've also won more money than, I mean, you can combine the next 50 guys you want, uh, comparatively speaking, to losing and winning. I've been doing this for, uh, God, 20, 23 years now. I started when I was 19. And th those first three years of learning how to do this and, and the, the appropriate way to attack things, how to look at things, having a contrarian view, not coming in saying, oh, that team's better. They're going to kill them. Uh, I'm taking the favorite or I'm taking the over. Not looking at a week where you see three teams favored by 10 points and go, oh, it's easy. I'll just tease all three of them down. All they have to do is win. <laughs> Every time you see that, one of those teams <laughs> is going to lose. Trust me on this. It's a sucker bet of all sucker bets. Um, but, you know, like it's it's the knowledge. And I see it's just funny when I read other people, I see them asking a ton of questions instead of telling people what they should do. The one thing I've tried to do, whether it was good or bad, is be transparent in how I pick games. And like anybody that's asked me quite, I, I put my stuff out there for free. I actually got offered to go work for two other companies that were going to charge money for my picks. And when I got approached by press box, they're paying me. I mean, it's, it's pennies on the dollar, but I was going to put them out there for free anyway, until I signed on with somebody to, to do this, but I didn't want to charge people. I never wanted to be a tout, but there's just so many ways to make money and people are going to take advantage of other people thinking that, Hey, he knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's doing. And, and my big problem with all the new platforms is there's going to be a ton. And I mean, a ton of misinformation out there. Yeah. I think, uh, kind of touching on the beginning of that um, these companies are just their marketing spend is through the roof where I think the, it's a race to the top and who can vulture the others and who's going to be the last one standing. Cause I, there's a good chunk of these companies that are going to just spend themselves to death and they're not going to be able to pull themselves out of it. So um, like you said, FanDuel, uh, DraftKings, those guys have already spent for the daily fantasy sport realm and they're kind of, you know, doing their thing and they're, they've got to step ahead um, and then, you know, to speak for Barstool, I mean, we're kind of taking a whole different angle at the entire thing. Um, so it's going to be real fascinating to see who kind of is, who's the last people standing, who's not going to make it out alive, those types of things. Yeah. And I mean, the thing I keep telling people now, I'll have my own endorsement coming up where I'll be pushing it. But like before that actually happens, you know, for me personally, the one thing about betting uh, legally. OK, so what what people don't realize is like, oh, my God, all the, the local bookies and the people that have been betting illegally that all that's going to go away it's not because no. you're betting with your local guy sal or whoever people get upset when i say sal it's like why are you why are you demeaning italians <laughs> I, whatever. I, maybe you have a bookie named sal if you do more power to you but point being is like so for example the people that were betting illegally you don't have to put your money up front if you win you're not paying taxes you know it's it's like you're, you're opening up a line of credit where when you go into a casino or if you go into an app what you're going to have to do is Oh, you want to put $300 on the Ravens uh, minus four and a half and Monday night? Well, you got to lay 330 bucks on the table and get your ticket. And if you win, you go pick up 630. So you have to put the money down ahead of time, right. which a lot of people don't have it. So many people bet uh, not within their means. Um, and that's that's a majority of people. So I don't think the illegal gambling is going away, but it does give people an opportunity to have easy access to be able to bet some of those crazy bets. And the one thing that's blown up over the years is, you used to have to wait till the Super Bowl to do the crazy prop bets. You can do that on a game on a Tuesday night. You yeah. know, I, I can sit here. Well, I don't know what we got coming up later. Seattle and Texas. I can go bet Logan Gilbert over six and a half strikeouts if I want. You know, like I, you can you can bet that um, who uh, Kellenick gets over. You know, a half. It'll be like a half a hit or one and a half hits or total yeah, bases. College basketball player points plus assists plus rebounds in the first half of some Atlantic Ten game. I mean the the. Yeah. The amount of things at our fingertips are, are endless. And yeah. the parlay, think, the, yeah, the prop bets, it's crazy. Man. These books are all just getting more creative in the ways to, to you know, boost odds and, and 
shop different kinds of lines. The handicapping is one of the more fascinating things to me because if you want to be serious about this, you don't want to have an account with one or two things. You maybe want to have that, and I maybe I should or shouldn't be saying this, but have that private bookie or handful on the side so you can shop mm-hmm. your lines and get the right lines and um, you know pick off these things before they move. And and you know, there's a whole we could talk all day about all the things that go into these types of things. So yeah, um, I mean, the smart people are going to shop, right? You're going to look like if you had five different accounts and all of a sudden one of the accounts has a game at three and all the other ones have it at three and a half, you'd be an absolute moron to bet the three and a half anywhere and not take the three, even if the juice is up a little bit on, on mm-hmm. that type of bet. It's the same thing with, um, you know, that that's what I'll do. But there are a lot of people that are lazy first and foremost, but there are also a lot of people that get comfortable with a system and a routine. So it's like going on this one site or I downloaded this app and I have money in this account or, Oh hell, I can't deposit any more in this account. So then I'll go to another one. So that's, what's going to initially start is that people are just going to keep opening up accounts. And that's why all of these companies, I mean, I'm watching, I'm watching so many places that have nothing to do with sports gambling. They're taking gambling money because there's just going to be so much of it in the next two years. And trust me, it'll still be around, but it'll slowly start to fade out because what they've done is they've grown it. They've gotten everybody out there. They planted their seeds everywhere. And once those crops start growing, they're just going to keep picking off. I mean, I I talk about it all the time. Casinos in Vegas are building, you know, the skyscrapers out there are putting roller coasters on top of casino. It it just, they're building and building and building. Why? Because they keep making money. The house doesn't lose. That's why I tell people like taking a contrarian view on things and betting with the house sometimes is the smart way to go. I'm not saying that's what you do all the time. You don't go, Oh my God, everybody's betting on this team. So I'm betting on the other one. It's finding the right spots. And Every time I'm reading some of these guys that are giving out free picks, it's like, hey, take the Yankees minus one and a half or any like I'm not betting any minus one and a half games. I'm never going to give that out as a pick. I'm not going to give you a 270 favorite. I saw some guy uh, that was claiming he's like, oh, I went five and two great night last night. And I looked at his two losses and one of them was a minus 300 loser and the other one was 240. And I'm like, that's the equivalent of having five and a half losses right there. You know, with you may have won five games, but the two games that you lost, it's 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 a combination of five and a half losses. You know, it's not like it's not the equivalent of saying, okay, I bet the Ravens minus three and a half and I lost and I bet the Steelers uh, minus four and I won or whatever it was. And I went one and one and you lose the juice when you're betting baseball or hockey and there's significant odds with money lines like each win is not equal. (laughs) They're just not. So there's just so much misinformation. And I feel like a lot of people are going to be fooled and suckered in. But. That's part of this business, man. I'm fascinated by the entire thing. And as someone that gets their check signed by the University of Maryland Athletics Department, this might be the most gambling talk ever done around an NCAA-based employee. <laughs> but so we'll see if we'll see if I get investigated after this. Uh, Jeremy, excited that you're going to get those gambling opportunities. We can't wait to listen. And make sure the listeners tune in. Big Bad Morning Show, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. 105.7 The Fan. Friend of the show. Original friend of the show, Jeremy Kahn. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jeremy. Back to you in the studio. Back on the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood. Thanks again to friend of the show, Jeremy Kahn. We could have gone on about that gambling thing forever. We ended up doing that after we got off recording with Jeremy talking about that entire industry because it is absolutely fascinating um, and always great. Ravens and Orioles insights um, from one of the best radio hosts in Baltimore. So really appreciate Jeremy. Coming on the show, he leads us into the starting five draft presented by Fed Drill this week. As Madden ratings have come out, Madden is being released. We are doing sports video games. How we determine this is 
we're going to draft individual years of the games, which should make for some interesting discussion. What is the best Madden? What is the, I already mentioned Madden, which is obviously going to be a pick. So I don't feel like I'm giving anything away there. Um, but what, what is going to be the, the Madden that is picked? What will be the other games that are picked? Uh, we shall see. I'm currently um, pulling up the order. Um, but as I do, I do need to grab one thing, guys. I do need to grab one thing. Come on. Put them on. By the way, were either of you guys um, Madden release, release day guys? Uh, there were a couple of years where I got it on the release day, but it wasn't like, like I was waiting outside the store. Or anything yeah, that's right. Like, like that. you weren't you weren't like a midnight Madden. No, no, I did like a pre-order maybe one time where it was ready for me to go pick it up. I probably pre-ordered something like Halo Two and Three on a more. You don't you don't strike me as a Halo guy. Oh, in high school, big time. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Taylor, were you ever like a camp out for Madden midnight guy? Never camped out for a Madden at midnight. Um, never. I don't think I've ever like can't like I've waited and, and listened to like song releases at midnight, mm-hmm. and things like that. I've never waited to buy something like in a line at like Black Friday or any of the, any of these things that have come out. I've never done that before. Um, I was a big high school. Eric was a huge go to go to GameStop at eleven thirty and hang out with all the degenerates until uh midnight when madden comes out i i probably did it you probably did it like two weeks ago no 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 and i'll tell you i'll tell you more (laughs) later but if if it gets picked i'll go into it but i i mean i have i used to i probably did it for maybe four or five years in a row and was it was religiously go up there but um times have changed what did i have to go get guys (laughs) oh it's the fed throw sunglasses baby Exit 52 at Fed Thrill. You get 20% off these bad boys. There's still a lot of summer left. And who's to say there's not – there's sun in the fall, there's sun in the winter, and there's sun in the spring, baby. You don't just have to wear these in the summer months. I got the little orange and black for the Orioles. Banks was wearing his when I saw him the other day. We're, we're you know, out on the golf course, we're, we're chilling, baby. Mm-hmm. We got the Fed Thrills on all day long. So back, they return for this draft. Sports video games. Banks, you have the first pick. RDT, you have the second pick. I have the wraparound pick to start. So the sports video games draft presented by Fed Thrill. Start us off. I don't know that I wanted the first overall pick because there's just so many good options. Mm. It's a really tough pick. And I think you. it's really tough to go wrong here but I could be just as content with my second or third pick. I think, and this is also the least preparation I've done for probably any draft yet. In fact, I thought we were doing something completely different until you like interrupted between our segments there off the air and we started talking and I didn't even realize that this was what we were talking about. Anyways, um, have I bought enough time to make my pick yet? <laughs> we, can, we can talk about what other drafts we considered. I no, 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 Hall no. of Famers. We talked about doing um, that. Concessions. We'll get to that at some point. Um, at some point yeah. I've also like have a list that I've procured over the last few weeks. It's on our spreadsheet that none of you guys have bothered to refer to, but it's fine. I'm not. You know, I looked at it. Today. I like the I like the drama of coming up with the starting five right before. Just the like oh yeah, yeah that gets me it together. Going. That gets me going for the show. This might not be the most popular 
take, but I think it will be popular at least amongst one other person on this podcast here. I'm going to take MVP baseball 2005. I think it's just the best baseball video game that exists. Um, I know people like the show nowadays. I've only played a little bit of it, but in terms of it just being a great era of baseball, in my, my opinion, uh, the gameplay was still in a place where, and this is another video game take I have in general. There are, these games have gotten lost in the sauce about making things more realistic and doing this, that, and the other. That game still had that nice balance where it was like, wow, the the graphics or whatever are, are very good, but it's still like a video game at heart. And so um, MVP baseball with, with the franchise mode, you get the stadium builder, you mm-hmm. get all those things, uh, fun soundtrack, the, uh, what was it like the bat, the batting practice with the, the, with the ramps and stuff, the mini games, those were awesome. Um, and again, like I think a really fun era of baseball where you had like the Yankees and Red Sox were at their peak. Um, Orioles had some guys on their team at least that you could be respectable with. And I don't know. It was just, just, I thought it was a really complete video game. I, I kind of figured that, that that's where you were going to go. That, that seems to be like people around our age, it seems to be the, the go-to um, video game. And a lot of it is, and I was hoping you mentioned it, was the soundtrack was phenomenal. Fantastic soundtrack to a game. Um, I'm a big, when I play video games, I turn all the sounds off. Like I don't have any, I mute it most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that one, I remember like keeping on just to hear the soundtrack. So it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a classic game. The mini games like keep it alive for me. I wish I could go back and just play those shooting them off the ramps into like left center and all that stuff. So I, 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 I would agree with that pick. I think, uh, I think the crowd will. So you want me to go right into, into my pick Taylor? Oh, you baby. I'm going to go. And we just talked about it a little bit. Madden 2004, mm. Michael Vick on the cover the arguably the best video game character of all time um the mike vick was the a literal cheat code he was at 99 speed the throwing power was insane throwing on the run was insane his accuracy was insane uh his quickness his acceleration he he was he was the legitimately like he was a created uh player he was awesome uh i do think that was also the year that ray lewis broke his leg broke michael vick's leg or was it Ed Hardwell who broke his uh, leg? I think it was actually Adelius Thomas. Was it Adelius? Mm-hmm. Of course, I named two linebackers, and it was the other one. Um, yeah, where they, I think he broke his leg in the first preseason game. But um, I mean, the game itself was phenomenal. It, it like that Vic just changed video games forever, and like he was awesome. And I know we were talking about it before. I haven't played a Madden game since I think like 2014, because kind of like what Banks was saying that's back when like video games were like, it didn't look, it looked good. It was fine for how you played it. And the gameplay was fun. But the second that they went to the next gen systems with um, PlayStation, PlayStation 4. Yeah. And and like Xbox, what was it? Xbox 360 and all that. Um, They, they became like completely unplayable. Like I tried to play one a couple years ago. And like I said, I used to be the biggest Madden nerd. Like I was, I was 17 and 0 or 18, 16 and 0 every year, winning the Super Bowl, rushed for a thousand yards in a game with Eddie George once. Not a big deal. Um, and now the game is like completely unplayable. Absolutely terrible game. So, yeah, I bought the most recent one before this previous release. You know, how mad were you? Peak pandemic. 
it just takes, it's just, I don't feel like taking the time to get good at it. <laughs> That's really yeah. the bottom line. And you can kind of walk in and play those mid 2000s ones on PS2 or Xbox or whatever. Oh yeah. A more fun experience to kind of get into them. And the franchise mode stuff's awesome on the new one. There's almost too much stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Like if I had a ton of time, they're, they're almost like making them into more like RBI baseball where just if I wanted a game where I want to be the GM, I'll, like football manager, like I'll play that. If I want a game where I just want to play the games, like give me a couple things to do and then just let me play. Um, like, you know what the perfect, ba- oh, I can't say it. I can't say it. I can't say it. I can't say it. Well, now you can because it's your turn. Well, I don't think I'm going to pick it at this point. Um, the first game I'm going to take, I'm going to, I'm going to take this out of the, you know, out of the kind of normal like EA sports type of games. I'm going to take backyard baseball um, at number three here. Uh, I'm going to take the original one. Uh, I think backyard baseball is, is of, I think you, the three of ours generation is like right in the sweet spot of games that we all played. It is really a, almost a perfect computer game. Like it has everything you need. It has sunny day. It has Vinny to Gooch. It has Pablo Sanchez. It's got freak all every you just named Ricky Johnson. You just named characters from Pete Wheeler. I was going to say Pete you Wheeler. Lead off of Pete Wheeler. You just not playing. You're just not playing, you know, Keisha Phillips. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, I really thought I could get that in the third or fourth round. Yeah, no, I, yeah. Th- I thought that may have gone. I, yeah, I, I thought I, you guys were sticking in the sports realm for a while. Yeah, I know. I, I would have taken that 1-1. One, one. I, 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 I is why I didn't like 1-1 one, one because yeah. it's one, it's the sixth pick that I don't like. That's the one that I'm not thrilled with having. Yeah, so backyard baseball I think is just universally regarded as a – as an awesome game. Can I, I can I say something about it though? Yeah, one hundred percent. I have the most Pablo Sanchez fatigue out of anyone. Like mm. I he goes viral. Every ESPN tweets it out like remember this guy? Was there anyone more electric than this guy? And you know then it's everyone being that, like, though? Oh yeah. Is like there's so many other great characters in that game mm-hmm. that if you just spread the love out, it wouldn't be as overbearing. There's the, so many great characters you could just relate to guys now or do whatever. Like I like the one that doesn't have the MLB guys in it. I think it's just way more of a pure experience to just play mm-hmm. with the backyard baseball characters. I think people think like 2001 is a better game. I, I don't think that's wrong. I, I just, I, think I just get wrong. the fatigue. I think 2003 is even better. Yeah. See, I, I don't need Rowan, the guys. I don't need, I understand why they did it and I played those games and I liked them. Mm, those are a lot of fun. But just give me, give me the, give me the kids, man. Let me, you know. You can all. <laughs> I used to always make a team that had all the studs in need, it. I don't need like Griffey Junior, Sammy Sosa, and all that. But then I would also then make another team after I won it all with that team. I'd just make a all backyard kids and we'd yeah, roll the through each team. Yeah. Um. Okay. So yeah, backyard baseball. Uh. With the fourth pick, I'm taking Mario Golf on the N64. Absolutely freaking electric. Um. I was a Yoshi guy. I just like to hit that thing straight. 230 on the drive, 256 if you put the power on. I know all the numbers. I know all I know I know Yoshi's numbers on Mario Golf way better than I know my numbers on the on a regular golf course. Um just an awesome game. Awesome game. The other iterations of it are also great, but um I I'm hate you right now. I mean it's high, high high on my board. Metal uh, Mario 285 with the draw. 285 with the big draw. Big, big draw. draw. Regular Mario was 275. 
I, honestly, beating Bowser in match play was one of the great accomplishments of my life. <laughs> the be- one of the best things that game had, and they not a lot of games had this when they came out, was like it had that best shots feature, and you could go back, yeah, hole in one or an eagle or a double albatross. Yeah. Albatross was like it spawned my brother, my twin brother Burke, made his username for like ten years on other things like when he was on steam, all these different things, albatross because of that game. Like he didn't know about it before he started playing Mario golf and just loved the word albatross. Oh, I got a, one more thing on this Bang too. The, the dormy music is some of the best video game music of all the music. Yes, the dormy. Yes, it is. The dormy <laughs> music. The, so many kids probably had no clue what dormy meant. That's <laughs> I, didn't I didn't until that video game. I love that Mario golf was pure with the terminology. Like they didn't say like, Oh, it's over. Like oh, they went with me and my old man used to play so much Mario golf. My dad played Mario Golf. It exactly. Was- I, I, my dad didn't play much, but he played Mario Golf. My dad one time, you know, like we were all in bed, got up, got a hole in one on like, oh, man. One of the holes on the Koopa Cup. Mm-hmm. And like we woke up and saw it in the best shots. And it was just like it hit off. Oh, the yeah. Like you can bang see into the cup is that one that goes over the like we're getting really, really deep here. But it was the <laughs> one that goes like over the water, that, like up on the really small green whatever it was awesome I, we still have that game at home i go home and play it i try to like dice courses like i used to be able to and i can't do it we gotta, Mario golf, we gotta get that going sometime in the neighborhood here we should do that we yeah. should 100 do that we should have because god knows these guys are all probably elite at all they're all elite. <laughs> <laughs> they're probably awesome i tried to play mario tennis against anthony once got actually stopped oh i gave away a pick there potentially sorry about that um fifth pick is rdt Another classic, NCAA Football 14. Yeah. The last one they put out. Um, Denard Robinson, I believe, shoelaces on the cover. I I don't think they ever did the, like, midnight release form. I always used to have to go to Columbia Mall and just get them after coaching at the basketball camp. It was, like, always right in the middle of the – right in the middle of the, the session. So, I'd go and get it. I don't think Maryland ever lost a game. I used to stack their schedule like Ohio State. Penn State, Florida. I would always do it like at Florida. Um, you could make digs so good. Oh my god, they were, they were so much fun. And then the best was always like to create a prospect, and I create my prospect six seven huge uh, wide receiver, and he would always go to Penn State. I would make him like, <laughs> where does he want to go, Maryland? Where is he from, Maryland? And then Maryland would always be in the top three, and he used to always go to Penn State. So then I used to always schedule Penn State and shut him down. And he wouldn't win the Heisman and whatever quarterback that I recruited would. I love it. It was, it was, I mean, that was the best. That is, like, that is petty. You have to. I mean, yeah. you can't, again, he's from Laurel, Maryland. And then he goes to Penn State. Like, you got to keep, you got to keep your guys. And again, that's when Diggs was there. And it, un- it unfortunately mirrors real events way too much. Well, yeah. Yeah. But no, I mean, and obviously, like, not anymore. The, the Godfather. Like, yeah, awesome. we're putting that. What is it? What's that yeah. gift that he puts all the time? Wall, baby. Put yeah. the wall around the DMV. Oh, we just had a huge collision in this Tigers Orioles game. That that NCAA football game is they peaked. Like, that is the best and, of those games. And the recruiting aspect of it is so fun. Like, it is recruiting in that game on Dynasty mode is awesome. so freaking fun. And again, where, like, like you were saying before, it takes some, like, okay, I'm not playing in the game. It takes some outside of the actual game, but that was the fun part. Like, I couldn't wait to finish a game to go, like, how do I impress this recruit now? Do I promise him his number? Do I promise him, like, playing time? 
stuff like that, like lying through my teeth to every single recruit to get them to come to Maryland <laughs> and like doing all the uniforms and stuff like that was great. But like, again, that's when it was at, the, it was at its peak because it was still nice and pure. And like, it wasn't on the new gen systems where everything looked awesome, but the gameplay was terrible. Like it was, it was just a perfect game. It was so much fun. You want to hear some of the cover athletes for NCAA football? Darren McFadden, Chris Lee, Robert Griffin, the third market, uh, Jared Zidlicky, Tim yeah. Tebow, the Brands, the Brands, that's what it is. Four cover athletes: Michael Crabtree, Mark Sanchez, Brian Johnson, and Brian Arakpo. They had five in NCAA in, in 09. Darren McFadden, Sparty on the Weavers. <laughs> oh yeah, because they had the mascots. They had you the could mascot. play the mascots. Owen Schmidt, Matt Ryan, and Deshaun Jackson. What a pick of the mascots. Jared Zabransky. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves Sparty. Jared Zabransky. Deshaun Jackson. Reggie Bush. Desmond Howard. Larry Pichelle. I think they need to get that guy drug tested. Sparty? Sparty? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, I've heard stories. Sauce. Yeah. I, that should be an opening. But you don't see Testudo doing things like that. No, don't you don't. Like that. You don't. Anyways. Um, I had a bunch of like I thought were gonna be great picks that were gonna be right in this range, and then Taylor went for two like two of the top ones. <laughs> I mean, absolutely, just stole some. But I still got picks here, baby. Uh, I'm taking Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk's pro skater. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, that's an easy like. Well, you want to talk about soundtracks? That one is. Oh, I, I like the God. first one. The second one's money too. There's other good ones too, but I like the original. Um, that I thought big, was getting back to me. The big. Uh, jeff rowley guy because the combo of of his specials were like just right up my alley where i would i would especially the uh the first was it the competition that you have in the in like the warehouse or whatever mm-hmm. you um, go to the glass over there yeah, I'd, I'd go, you're, taking, you're taking the first one no not the uh not the first level the first competition you know i'm saying you're taking the first game yes yeah um i'd get up to the top and i do the, the dark slide on the rafters and i'd backflip on the way down like just massive, massive points. Um, Tony Hawk's pro skater is an easy pick. Um, and honestly, I thought him, I wasn't. Did you call him G off or Jeff? Like when you were little? Jeff. I didn't know. I, 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 was, I think I had a couple G-off. G-off. I, some, I called him G off too. Yeah. Bucky, it was like, oh, Bucky Lassick. <laughs> um, Finger yeah. flip air walk for Bucky Lassick. Electric. Mm, yeah. Shout out to Dundalkon. Uh, and then with the seventh pick, I am going to take. NFL Blitz, the original. Mm. Um, great N64, N64 game. Um, going back to what I said when I took uh, MVP Baseball, like when it came to video games, like that was a video game. It was an arcade game. It was literally an arcade game. And I was going to say arcade into, game. Too. Into, you know, into uh, an awesome N64 game where it wasn't too complicated. You just hit the hell out of people. You hit them after the whistle. You could taunt them. Um yeah, I used the Ravens a lot in that game, but I got to admit that the Broncos were probably the team I used most. I mean, they were just absolutely filthy in that game. Um, John Elway, um, Shannon Sharp on the bomb up the middle on the post route. It's just unstoppable. So, um, And the Ravens had Jim Harbaugh under center, so that's always a fun wrinkle when you go back and play it. Great. Two great picks. I was never a big blitz guy, but it was fun. 
It's better on the arcade, I feel like, than on N64. Yeah, I disagree. It's awesome. Both really? Ways. It's just so phenomenal both ways. And just like also just the knowledge that if you get up by three scores, you're going to fumble. You're going to throw an interception. Mm-hmm. Like it's just going to happen. It just brings the game back into play. It's inevitable and you get like mad about it when you're up. But at the same time, when you're on the other side of the coin, it's like, oh, well, they're never going to get too far away from here. So it's a fun game. RDT. Ken Griffey Jr. presents Major League Baseball for N64 with not only a great gameplay, and this goes more on the, it's a cartoonish and it's a video game because the knuckle curveball is like legitimately just like flying all over the place. But the like, the beginning, the intro with where with the cook, cook, call me, call me Jr. is just like an all time. <laughs> like, I love that. Call, cook, call me Jr. He like stutters over himself and he just says it. It's the best. Um, I mean, the Mariners were so good in that game. And again, it was like, I, it's probably the first baseball game for N64. And it was, I mean, it was just awesome. Probably. Again, I think so. Cause again, I'm looking, it came out in 98. Mm. I think no. there, there may have been uh, one before it then. I just can't remember. Play baseball play. before all-star baseball. It could have been. Before MVP baseball. They kept changing the name. Yeah, it could have been, but. Yeah, the um, it's just the best because again, that's when like Ken Griffey Jr. was Pete Cool, and and he was just you know the backwards hat, the shoes, and everything. So it's a great game that I still like. I'll go back and listen to that song. It pops up on my YouTube. Like you may also like Ken Griffey Jr. presents. We Ken might Facebook. have to like have a post mortem part where where we can talk about some of these picks and not spoil other picks. Dude, we mm-hmm. might have to just extend this draft. Um, we could go – this could go on forever because I could do this forever. Uh, so, I have two picks here. I mean, there are just so many things I want to pick, and it's so hard to predict what you guys are going to pick and what's going to follow me with this last pick. So, I'm just going to continue to pick with my heart here. I'm At nine, I'm going NBA Street. NBA Street was absolutely fuego. Awesome. Fuego. I'm taking mm. NBA Street. Oh, that's a bad take. Mm. Oh, that's a bad take. That's a bad take. That's a guy. That's a guy that's upset about my first two picks. Kind of downplay me. He could never do off the heezy. Not going to work. And then I'm taking Mario Kart Double Dash. Also fire. There it is. Go ahead. I'm not explaining my picks. Mario Kart Double Dash is awesome. Everyone likes the first Mario Kart. The first Mario Kart is sensational. But I'm a Double Dash guy. Double Dash is fun. Flipping between the two people. I'm taking Double Dash. A little different. GameCube. I like it. I like it. Is it? Is this me now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 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 do I do that one? Do I do that one? I am going to go with. Do I want to get cute? No, I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go the newest. Um, MLB the show. It's it's. This is now – now we're at the point where the, the games look so goddamn real. And the, the game the, That MLB The Show game looks unbelievable. It's uh, – yeah, and, like, I only have it – I'm still a broke boy. I only have it on PlayStation 4. I'm not on PlayStation 5 yet where, like, you can legitimately see the beads of sweat, like, running off Fernando Tatis' face. <laughs> but it's – I mean, it's awesome. Everything about it's great. The gameplay is awesome. The cool part is, obviously, like, being hooked up to the internet and everything now is, like, they upload like today. Um, they uploaded the Field of Dreams field into the game, so like you can play your Diamond Dynasty, your franchise, all that stuff in the Field of Dreams uh, field, and 
it's like little stuff like that. There's so much content that they roll out every single day in it. Um, the franchise mode, which is my, that's my like bread and butter. You got to have a good franchise mode and they have an awesome one. Um, it, it's, it's nice and easy to, to play and it's a good, uh, it's a good time killer. So I'm going, I think I'm around. Is that, that's my last one, right? I'm rounding it out with that. Uh, you have one more. Do I want more? Right, yeah. Go, then. I you get two, two and then you get your last one. <laughs> um, Hmm. I mean, there's so many things. There's can. so many things we, we here. Do four more rounds after the sentence, by the way, if you guys really want to, I will keep going. That's puts like the pressure on these two picks or not. That's a thing, but we're doing, we're going to no, do five we'll do rounds. No, we'll do honorable, honorable mention mentions. style. But I want to, I'm going to build a second team of all Americans. I'm going to do it. You were, you were just dead wrong about the, the Mario Kart thing at Mario Kart 64, by the way, you probably think Mario Kart 64 is the first Mario Kart. It's not. It is Super, not. Super Nintendo is the first one, yeah. mm-hmm. um, which is good, but it's not as good as N64's Mario Kart 64. I mean, it's the GOAT racing game of all racing games, period. Period. So I'm Gabble. taking that. Dabble in the same franchise. And then I am going to take NHL 94. It's timeless. It's retro. It's... Um, I mean, they even bring it back. Like, there's a whole mode in the recent NHLs where they bring it back, and it's just it's just a timeless classic, NHL 94. Never played it. That's a shame. Yeah. Never an NHL uh, video game guy, really. Mm. NHL. That's also a, also a shame. It never was. RDT. I'm going maybe maybe the most underrated, like, franchise. The, the NFL 2K franchise. I'm going NFL 2K5. Ah, T.O. Terrible pick. Re- reaching out one hand. It's awesome a great cover. Game. Great cover, I'll say that. I have a take about this when you're done. The, the I, I thought it was awesome. I thought the gameplay was fantastic. It was so much fun. The the When you could switch into the players' helmets and stuff like that, that was a bit much. It wasn't a game. It wasn't a, a view that I used a lot. But they were trying, I loved, though. They had the like the cheesy like halftime show with with uh, the CGI Chris Berman like narrating the games and it was so bad because it was like you could tell that they just chopped up the words because it would be like the Miami Dolphins are beating the <laughs> Green Bay Packers thirteen to yeah, the chopped up the chopped and screwed three. yeah it was it was rough but it was just so funny I I love the game too I thought it was awesome. Um, again, I used to put up straight numbers with the Titans in those games. So I'm, I'm rounding it out with, with my, uh, 2k, 2k five. So I was going to, I was going to take something here, um, that has nothing to do with the rest of the drafts because I've played these games for years and I love them. I knew you guys wouldn't take them. I was going to take FIFA here. I was going to take FIFA. I'm not going to take FIFA. You could have. No, I was close to taking FIFA 10. No, I'm going to, I'm not going to take FIFA. I love FIFA. It's an honorable mention, but the after banks attacked my Mario Kart pick by coming over the top and taking another Mario Kart. He took the word. He took a worse Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk three is the best Tony Hawk. So I'm taking Tony Hawk three. I'm taking Tony Hawk three. So I have the better Mario Kart and the better Tony Hawk. It's false. Just <laughs> patently false. Better. Tony Hawk three is just straight up a way better game. I love mm-hmm. Tony Hawk pro skater. Tony Hawk three is better. You can make a case that Tony Hawk underground one and two are also Ooh. better than pro skater. Ooh. So Negative. Yeah, I even thought the original was was the original's bad. great. He took yeah. the original, and it's a great. Oh, video. I thought he took two. Those games progressed no. at three in the two undergrounds where they're freaking spectacular. 
They're spectacular. It's a spectacular franchise. Yeah, and then, yeah. then the original is what kicked it all out. off. It's a shame it died out. There's, there's weight to be back. held by, by the fact that it kicked it all off as well. It did come back. And then they, EA, there's these people that are like skate, like they're skate, like, like it's like a – like Junkies a, for that game, skate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. kind of like the golf club yeah. of golf. Yeah, 100%. Skates, it's this, it's the pro evolution soccer of soccer games. It's no one plays who plays pro evolution soccer. I can't believe that game even comes out anymore. All right, so to recap, I this was I maybe one of my most fun draft. This could have gone like 40 rounds. Um, Banks has MVP baseball 05, Tony Hawk's pro skater, uh, NFL Blitz, Mario Kart 64, and NHL 94. RDT had Madden 04, which, by the way, the play-action QB sweep for Vic was a legitimate. He, you took the wrong Madden. You were close, but Madden 05 is better. Hit stick. I, the, it is better. Madden 05 is better. You still get 04, Vic. You still get Vic being a nasty yeah, But Vic's nasty in 04. Like, if you're taking it straight playing as Vic, he's more fun in 04. Mm-hmm. Uh, you took NCAA 14, which is such a good game. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr. presents baseball in the N64. Also not the best one. Slugfest is better. MLB Ken Griffey Jr. Slugfest, the sequel, is a better game. Plus, it's the year 98. MLB The Show and NFL 2K, which, by the way, great job by EA Sports just buying the rights exclusively because that game was creeping up on. They just said, nope, we're just going to buy out the competition. I took Backyard Baseball, Mario Golf, Mario Kart Double Dash, NBA Street, and Tony Hawk 3. I mean, we could go honorable mentions here. I just want to, because I have just lists open. Can I just give a special shout out first and honorable mentions to Snowboard Kids and Snowboard Kids too, which are both, <laughs> which are both absolute. If you want to, play. yeah, go for mm-hmm. it. That's where I'm starting my and SSX Sweet. tricky. If you SSX, want to. SSX tricky, of tricky, course, of course. With the, uh, with the extreme sports. Was a question here that may have brought some debate. Need for Speed Underground too. Yeah, what else? Did that what have counted? counted? Incredible, probably. Game. Yeah, I would have counted it. Need Racing, for yeah. Wanted. Need for Speed Most Wanted. Okay. Need for Speed on the computer was awesome. I probably would have taken that, to be honest. Uh, Underground 2, I think, is the – that's that's the move. That's, that's the, the one. best one, I think. I would have let Need for Speed. Shout out Brooke Burke. Always. Wow, Brooke Burke. What a, what a name drop that is. Yeah. Always shout out Brooke Burke. Uh, racing yeah. genre that we missed. I mean, any of these other Mario Karts could have gotten taken. Mario Kart Wii is something me and Banks have to deal with a little too much. Wrecking Crew. Um, shout out to the Wrecking Crew. Also, you know there's a new Mario Golf out, right, for the Switch? Yeah. yeah. All right. I, I, mean, didn't, I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to ruin it. I didn't know if anyone was going to take it. But No, you have Mario Tennis that should be in there, the original Mario Tennis and the Mario Tennis. Um, there's a Mario Tennis Game Boy game in, like, 1989. Fun uh, fact. People love Super Mario Strikers. I never really played that. But there I'll was a Mario that. Baseball as well. I didn't really play Mario that. Uh, people um, love the Tiger Woods series of games. I, I, was, I had that on my list where I yeah. just didn't get to it. Like you took, I was like, oh, would I take Mario Golf over Tiger Woods 13? And I was like, yeah, I would. And then you took it and I kind of just erased golf on my board. Yeah. I couldn't remember which one like I liked the most. And, and 13 probably peaked it. 13 was the Masters, right? Uh, it included the Masters. It's the one that had Ricky Fowler on the cover as well. Mm-hmm. Um. What else was there? I mean, NFL Street. I have. I have. So I have all these games from old systems too, like ice hockey on NES, where you had eight different countries and three different size players. It's an unbelievable game. It's so simplistic. Uh, the fights are just little, just balls of dust. Like it's, it's such a fun video game. Great song in that game too. Um, yeah. 
Uh, I want to give Daytona USA the arcade game where sure. you do the oval every single time. That game is absolutely electric at an ESPN zone. <laughs> oh, yeah. ESPN zone, RP. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wayne yeah, Gretzky 3D hockey was a great game on N64. NBA Jam. NBA Jam. NBA. Um, I personally like Diddy Kong Racing. Diddy Kong, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I I loved um by the plane, you were an absolute moron. You just got <laughs> the ESPN college hoops 2K5 with Josh Childress on the cover. Yep. For some reason, I thought the recruiting in that game was better than any recruiting in any game that I'd played, including NCAA football 14. It was very systematic. Um, I built St. Francis of PA into a powerhouse. Wave race, six wave race, where you actually ride on the jet ski in the arcade, and then the one, the the, uh, <laughs> the one, uh, like wave race sixty four or whatever it is, where you wave race blue storm. Excuse me, wave race blue storm. Yeah. The, very fun. the other, the other backyard sports games deserve a shout out. Mm-hmm. Yes, especially they football, 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 probably most of all. Yeah. That looked like a bottle rocket. I liked, I liked you just run the super every play. I liked, um, I liked basketball. Basketball was very good. Basketball was good. Oh man, there's, I'm not trying not to miss anything. Uh, I wanted to take Forza, a shell, like a not 94, like a 2011 ish that I played in college a lot, pretty religiously. That's probably the peak of like a video game. N64, like Mario Kart 64, and then chell like 11 were probably like my peak video games that i would just dominate people in a shout out to my brothers who probably don't listen to the show mickey speedway usa is one <laughs> that was played a lot in my household uh for the n64 um we'll see if they that'll really show if they listen um god i don't think i missed it cyber tiger <laughs> i don't know if you guys played that for the n64 nope. that was a ridiculous game i was an nba live guy in the mid-2000s just traded, just trading uh, players to put on Tracy McGrady's Orlando Magic. Trying Another to good soundtrack. Games there. are all less than what I was hoping for. Yeah, the soundtracks of those games are very good. Fallen the, Boys is an all-time video yeah, game. Yeah, the song. remix to um, to Right yeah. Here is mm-hmm. unbelievable. <laughs> that has to do with basketball. Oh man, yeah, I don't. Did we miss anything? I, God, S is like tricky as a game. I would play, sit down and play right now. I I wonder if there's just one I could download. I don't know if you guys ever played the WWE games. Some of those are very good. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah WCW, yeah, yeah. NWO, yep. around Revenge. 1,000-ish maybe. was very good. They've never gotten the UFC games right, unfortunately, at least when I was playing them. Um, but the um, – oh, my God, this is – this is – this is – uh, What about uh, Tap Sports Baseball? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that game. Spent a lot of time on that thing. I lost an entire like April to Tash Force Baseball <laughs> one year. <laughs> the entire right side of my screen just like not working because I've hit it so oh, many man. goddamn times. I got you and Riggs in on it too. Like Yeah. Oh, so fun. I hated myself for like playing that too. <laughs> hated it. I totally forgot about Tap Sports Baseball. That's got to be. There's somebody out there that listens to this that that's relatable to. I, that's I just like spending like sixty dollars a month yeah. on it too, for sure. <laughs> Probably people we know. No, hundred <laughs> percent. Probably. Probably true. Um, send us your favorites. We'll put out the uh, the video of the picks and the uh, and the poll. Send us your favorite sports video games. I, I feel like. There's, there's ones that we certainly missed. 
Uh, I think I said fours already. That was one of the more realistic racing games you could play. Grand, Grand Turismo. Awesome oh, Gran one. Gran Turismo, yeah, GTA. But I'm thinking Grand Theft Auto. I said GTA. Yeah, Grand Turismo. Oh, no, shit, like Grand Theft Auto is sort of a sports game sometimes. You drive Could be. You could play golf in the new one. Grand Turismo was, Grand Turismo was very, very good. Grand Turismo was very, very good. Uh, once again, thanks to FedThrill for sponsoring the uh, Starting 5 draft. Use the promo code EXIT52 at checkout. You get 20% off all these sunglasses, including these bad boys that you can see as I win the draft when you watch the video when it comes out, when RDT makes it. Boom. There they are. No, no chance you won that one. Nick Caner Medley, Maryland Person of the Week. I know my two guys, so I'll let you guys go first. RDT, you go first, because me and Banks may share this one. It's, it's a big anniversary today. The 40th anniversary of Cal making his Orioles debut. Mm, your guy. Has to be. Has to be. I mean, I was reading about it, how he came in as like a pinch, a pinch runner which probably never happened again because I think we all know he was pretty slow. Came in, scored the game-winning run. It's all she wrote, baby. And 40 years later, we still got old blue eyes coming up to the Orioles games. I know he's, he goes to Norfolk a bunch too to watch his son Ryan. So, guy just loves baseball. So, Eric, when you inevitably get your podcast with, um, <laughs> yeah. with Cal, I got your name for you. Let it rip. Ooh. Let it rip. That's good. Cal like that. And Barstool RDT. I like that. Fun. Start mm. putting the start putting the wheels in motion on that one. Thanks. Do we just do this together? We play the Bars play the Barstool Classic on Friday. I figured you got a better chance to intro. You were actually there. Yeah, I was actually there, and I guess I can describe the the way things played out and everything. Uh, I played with my buddy Mike Myers. We did not play all that great. Our timing. It's a best ball um handicapped event blah 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 our the timing of our bad holes was not good but our buddies alex carroll and brian gibbons jr uh the timing was impeccable they played great golf alex carroll in particular um with his wife coming off of an appendectomy is that the the right pronunciation on that she had her appendix removed and alex stayed there like a good husband overnight and slept in a hotel chair and woke up the next morning and rolled out to a golf course, played the round of golf of his life. And those boys are advancing to Pinehurst resort for the Barcelona classic championship. We are very fired awesome. up for them. Um, shout out to Brian Gibbons for uh, an awesome sand save on the final hole to save par to preserve the score that they needed to, to advance. So um, it was just a pleasure to play with my friends out there and watch them compete in some high intensity golf and come through when, when it mattered. So. I heard I heard about this news standing on the practice field watching Maryland football's opening practice and let out a fist pump that I hope nobody saw. So as I don't film somewhere, yeah, pro- probably is from yeah. some roof somewhere at Maryland. Uh, awesome stuff from those guys. Alex is at Alex is. I mean, what a story when they do the thirty for thirty about it. That is going to be a main part of it. And then our guy B. Yeah. Junior is just an unbelievable golfer. Good for those guys. They get to go down there and play um, at an awesome course and it seems like these barstool classics are pretty incredible events that they're putting on people are having fun they're tremendous they're just like class all the way through you, you i mean the course itself whiskey creek it delivers every time it was in the best condition i've ever seen it um but you walk in and you feel like you're at you're you're competing in a serious like like you you can feel the buzz of the people like the excitement and and people warming up and being fired up to go out there and play golf and compete and get the blood flowing a little bit out there. It's it's just a great time. 
eventually me and Banks will not make the Nick Cameron Medley person of the week about <laughs> I know personal golf stuff, but this just happens to be these two weeks. This is the two <laughs> biggest weeks of the year here. Two biggest weeks of the year. Two biggest weeks of the year. So shout out to those guys. Um, two, you know, Maryland, Baltimore, na- Baltimore area natives. So, you know, representing, representing down there and, and congrats to all the other people that I'm sure also at the Maryland version of the Barcelona classic repping the, uh, repping the area here down there at that. So very, very yeah, cool. Mid November, we'll probably be talking about them come Pinehurst time. So we, we certainly will. No outside caddies. I can't caddy for them, but I'm hoping to go down there and do some content with the Barcelona golf team and, um, root those guys on and, and just kind of take it all in. So very, very good stuff. Very, very good stuff. I have one honorable mention and it goes back to what I was just saying. Um, Maryland sports are coming back, baby. College sports are, are very, very close. College football is under a month away. They had the pads on in college park yesterday. We got, I was out of Maryland soccer practice today. So, you know, obviously we've kind of had our, you know, a little bit more of a return to normalcy in the pro sports game over the past few months with the NBA finals, there being fans and, but, you know, college sports kind of, you know, came and went with none of the fanfare there and in a very sterile environment. And at most places, some places had fans at for um, at the end there, but um, it's going to be very cool to have it back. We hope in full throw with, with fans at all these events, not just at Maryland, where obviously my interests lie, but all across the country. I can't wait for college football. Saturdays are going to be back in the fall. And, and I know so many people enjoy that and make that a part of their lives. So it was great to just see our guys back on the field, but that's happening everywhere around the country. So that very much excites me. So the return of college sports or the feeling of that coming back. That's my honorable mention. I don't know if you guys have anything. Uh, I got two real quick. AJ and Patrick, who uh, are listeners of the podcast, who were at the game on Saturday and came up and introduced themselves. AJ actually won the Mark Andrews signed jersey that we sent him. Mm. Oh, nice. Um, so nice. He, he came up and I uh, talked a little bit, and, and people wanted to pick your brain, Banks, about the wide receivers and the Ravens and stuff like that. So – it, it was neat to meet some listeners out and, and our guy Dean for shelling out uh, the exit 52 t-shirts that are for sale. And we promise we will start pumping those. No, I was going to say that after we're done here, thread level midnight.com exit 52 merch. It's, it's been out for a couple weeks now, but we have just not gotten to sort of talking about it on the show. These shirts are sweet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're very, very cool. Shout out to Marty for the design. Yeah, yeah so does a Marty. great job with that as he does. Love Marty. Um, you've got you've got koozies and t-shirts up there right now. This t-shirt, you can just go on the site and see it. The exit is in sort of an Orioles orange, and then the 52 is sort of a Ravens Ray Lewis 52. It's badass. So great job by Marty. Thanks to the people at Fed Bubble tonight, RDT's guys for putting that together. And uh go buy the shirt. 24 beans. Pretty reasonable for a T-shirt these days, based yeah. on what people buy. So, and rep it, rep it for us. Mm-hmm. You have a second one there, RDT. Sorry. No, no, it was it was AJ and Patrick. It was two different guys that I that I talked to, but cool guys that I met on uh, Saturday. And again, loyal listeners. So it was it was neat to Very much run into some in the wild. It's awesome. I, our uh, Banks ran into a fan looking for a golf ball on Sunday. So that's always, that, that, was, that was one of those, that was, that was a big time hit and giggle round on Sunday. And I hit one way, right. And uh, hit one way, right on a hole going the opposite direction. And you guys were in the same exact spot. Are you banks? It's good stuff. 
It was good stuff. You didn't yeah. find your ball. He found his ball. So I'm glad he did. I didn't deserve oh, to find my ball. Yeah, you had yeah. Well, we had a lot of bad shots. Absolute hit and giggle. Absolute hit and giggle. But fun, fun day. Just some horrible traffic going to Mountain Branch. That was just, I mean, it was tragic. People can drive faster. I know it's scenic. Just drive a little faster when people are trying to make their tea times. Thank you for my service. (laughs) Um, That's enough for this week's episode of the Exit 52 podcast. Once again, appreciate Jeremy Kahn for coming on the show. Make sure to listen to the Big Bad Morning Show, 105.7 The Fan. Uh, the morning show there. And then Jeremy's got a thousand different things that he's definitely going to be doing in this gambling space. So make sure to support him. Appreciate Fed Thrill. Exit 52 is the promo code where you can get 20% off those sunglasses. As we said, threadlevelmidnight.com. Get your Exit 52 merch. We, if we sell some, we'll have more. So that's sort of the key right there. Make sure to go to support. Follow the boys on social media at Barstool Banks at E-D-I-T-T-I-22. You can follow me at Taylor Schmidt 10 Follow the podcast at Exit52Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And as always, our good friends at Jimmy Seafood. Now they've got food trucks at the BMW, so they're just everywhere at this point. They don't need us, but appreciate their support as always. We will see you next time on the Exit52 Podcast presented by Jimmy's Seafood. Got it.